Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the program. I am your host, Chris George Zuger, and to my right is nobody. Uh, Big Sexy Alex is not in the studio today, uh, but you still have reached the den of lore. Pull your chair up to the fire, grab yourselves a glass of scotch, uh, because we are going to learn some cool shit tonight about the Great Pyramid, courtesy of Danny Kerr and Doug Keenan. Uh... This is episode 29 of the 30th of March, 2017. Uh, if you're listening to us on Deprogrammed Radio, uh, you can, sh- you know, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, and if you've uh, checked us out on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or the multitude of other <laughs> aggregators that are currently feeding our uh, signal all across the world, uh, thank you very much for tuning in. We love doing this show every single week. And it is an absolute pleasure for me to be able to put this program on for all of you. So, first thing is... And I am currently being told that we are not having any data being sent in. So, give me just one moment here. Let me switch things on. Let me switch the camera on so you can all see my beautiful face. And uh, as you can see, I'm a little bit dressed up tonight. Um, On the program, today we've got uh, two uh, very special gentlemen. Uh, but before we do get to that, I did want to be able to read a uh, email from a listener of the program. And I'm just going to turn on my headphones there. One second. That's a little better. Whew. Now, normally we do the opening segments, and uh, Alex and I do some banter back and forth. Uh, but this is uh, from a, uh, uh, a listener of the show uh, and supporter and somebody who has uh, been kind enough to send me his impressions of the program as well as what we have been doing here in the lore uh, for for, for some time uh, to to support John Anthony West's cancer fight. Um, And it starts. Gentlemen, I uh, love uh, the support you have extended uh, for our brother John. I commend you, uh, and this is uh, being sent out to uh, uh, myself and uh, Randall Carlson and Cameron from Sacred Geometry International and all the other guests, uh, for your selfless contributions so far. Further, I hope that you feel so energized by the outpouring of support as to find yourselves engaged for the duration. For John, for his loved ones, and for our species in the larger war against the suppression of ideas and information. We often forget that this type of fight is a long-term battle. Even with the recent successes and apparent improvements, the aftershocks of this will reverberate with the West family for years to come. I wish you the vigor and the stamina to stay the course and to keep building this momentum, expanding the community and engaging direct participation. On that note, I wanted to add that I've just added my own financial contribution to the John Anthony West uh, coffers. My contribution is a direct result of uh, the seed Randall planted with his tweet some weeks slash months ago, uh, the first uh, he had heard of the Fundly campaign. Uh, At the time, I saw myself contributing $33 and calling it a done deal. However, with the heart and soul that you guys have put into this, especially the collective effort that went into the Den of Lore telethon, I knew I had to do more. So I dug deeper, and that seed has grown. I say this only because my actions were directly impacted by your efforts, and I hope you you appreciate knowing that your efforts have not have borne fruit. Or to paraphrase, great work. Keep it up. Finally, from my heart to yours, thanks for being you. Thank you for the time and effort you have poured into your passions, and thank you for sharing that passion with the world. All the best, Wayne. 
Wow. Um, I honestly think that, uh, you know, I, I've got, uh, I've got uh, Doug and, and uh, uh, Danny on, on the yeah, line here. So, so, what a great letter. So, okay, well, sorry, let me just, let me just turn your channel up here. Um, I, I'm always extremely humbled whenever, like, I, I do this show because I love doing it. I love ancient mysteries. Um, I love the community as a whole when it comes to those who are seeking truth. And, you know, it's, it's very humbling to know that, you know, like I, I'm, I'm new to this game, you know, for people like Randall Carlson or for uh, Graham Hancock or, you know, uh, you know, Laird Scranton, all like all the guys that, that we brought in, like they, they've been doing this for 20, you know, 20, 30 years. They know um, how they, you know, how their work affects other people because they're probably told every day by people who appreciate that they've stuck their necks out and they've, they've been able to, um, you know, Put put their reputations and names in the line for something that they believe in. I've only been doing this for six months, so when I get a letter like that, it's it's extremely humbling to know that the work that we're doing is making a difference because I just see it as somebody who needs help. And okay, well, what is it I can do to be able to bring that that you know, what is it I can do to 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 help out? Um, Shine the light in your corner, so, Chris. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. So Wayne, you know, thank you very much for the for supporting John Anthony West. Um, thank you very much for your contributions and everybody who has donated to the Fundly campaign. Um, you know, it's it directly affects. Like we we heard from from um, Clay last week that uh, there was a fifty percent or fifty seven percent reduction in uh, John's cancer. And uh, this, you know, he, he's still battling pneumonia and he's still getting over that. And at, at his age, it's, uh, you, you know, for somebody to be able to have regressed stage four cancer, in addition to battling pneumonia and still be able to, to, to show improvement is, is a testament to Dr. Brzezinski's work down in Houston and the love and the support that his fans and the fans of the show, and the fans of Fate to Black, the fans of Grimerica, the fans of the Higher Side Chats, the fa the fans of Friends to Know, the you know the, the fans of uh, Coast to Coast, the you know anybody who is a truth seeker who uh, tunes in every single week and who appreciates what we do, they've pitched in and they've 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 done their part. Now, I I checked the Funly campaign last week, and um, right now I know that the Funding campaign is up to $95,257. Um, <clears throat> and because of the success of the campaign, Clay's uh, extended it because, well, uh, it you know, John's halfway there. Uh, the, the campaign's halfway there. And we need to make sure we can get him the, the help and support that he needs. So the links are in the bottom of... Um, all right, no, actually, not the bottom. They're, they're in the show notes. Uh, you can donate via credit card. You can donate via PayPal. Um, and whether it's, uh, you know, $10, $1, $100, $10,000, if you can give to support and help somebody who has given so much to this community, uh, for his entire life, a fighting chance at uh, kicking cancer in the crotch, as we like to say here in the den of lore, please, I encourage you to do so. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep giving you updates. We're going to stay with the campaign for as long as it goes and to make sure we hit that, uh, that goal of $155,000. <clears> so we're, we are about, uh, uh, Doug, you're a, a, an engineer. Do, do the quick math. 95, I am 95.2, uh, over 155 times 100. <laughs> what is 95. that? 95.2, sorry, what? Over 155. <laughs> Uh, about uh, 60%, 60, 61 something. You know, that's still pretty damn good. 
that's that that's that's still amazing. <laughs> so, um, and again, I do apologize, everyone, if I'm not currently in the chat. I've just been trying to pour my heart out here on uh, on the interwebs for everybody, and I'm just going to over to the chat window. Ooh, there we go. Now, now I can interact and see everybody there. So, who do we have all in here? So, I see Alan. You know, I know Danny would know this because he's Canadian. He's from the Niagara region. I see, uh, and you would know what 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 was that uh, that kid's name? You know, she holds up that that uh, mirror that has like the hole in it, and she's like, "I see, I see Wayne, I see Kevin, I see Doug." Well, Doug's in there too. I see Cartoon Woody. I that is that okay, that is the best nickname we've actually had in the show so far um and i see ellen you know i'm you know we, we've got our crew here and i'm 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 thankful that i get the opportunity to be able to do this show every single week with all of you and you know we we are doing some good work now j- just on an interesting note um and uh you know i, t- I told uh, uh i told greg that well i should say uh, greg carlisle from the uh, the higher side chats um, a while ago, or not, I think it was like two days ago, uh, had, what was it? Now, I don't want to give this, this, this son of a bitch some, uh, some free airtime here, but I'm going to try and find this post. Um, there's been a lot of, a lot of activity on my account the last couple of days here. Uh, let's see here. Oh, there we go. So there is this guy, uh, who basically put out a podcast against truth podcasters. And he, like, you know, uh, completely railed against the higher side chats, no agenda, you know, Kevin Barnett and all that. And, you know, uh, called Grevin Carlwood a, uh, a secret Freemason. Now, believe it or not, I, I have to find this funny because it's like I am actually a Freemason. And I felt very insulted that I was not torn down on this podcast. So we're well, not all secret about it, though, right? Oh, well, no, that, that's the whole thing. Like, it's it not it's not about the secret. I'm, I'm very open about it. That's part of the uh, yeah. part of the marketing. <laughs> It's, it's like, join 32nd degree Freemason Chris George Zuger talk about ancient histories, mysteries, and Atlantis. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So, but still, you know, we're, we're still building. We've only been doing this show for about six months, and we get several hundred viewers uh, uh, watching every single Friday night when we do this show. And literally at this point, we're getting about tens of thousands of viewers on uh, all of our different channels every single week for every single episode. And, oh, thank, thank you very much, uh, Madam Smelly Pitts. Uh, romper room that that was romper room i appreciate the 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 plug for that so you know tell your friends about the show um load it onto their pod their their podcast players them tell without telling them um you know leave leave the video open in random places like the uh, apple store uh, let everyone else know about the show and you know I, I'm, I'm gonna kick it right off and i hate you know plugging for for my own show, as it were, but uh, if you go to denoflore.com, if you like the show and you like what we bring to you every single week, um, there's a little button called support the show at the top right-hand corner. If you click that, you, if you could support the show for $1, if you like what you hear and you support the show for $1, it keeps us ad, 100% ad and sponsor-free. Uh, that means we can say whatever the hell we want, I can drink as much scotch as I want on air, and we can have the guests say whatever they want, without any issues or without any problems. No censorship. That's what this show is all about. 100% freedom of speech. Uh, with, within reason. My wife has told me I have to stop talking about the wife, so that's the only time I'll mention the wife on air. <laughs> <laughs> but if uh, you'd like to be able to support the show, again, you send if you could send in $1, 
you know, and if you like what you hear, fantastic. We don't want to be able to place ads on the show. I don't want to take sponsor money, and I don't want to be able to put out a three or four hour episode, cut half of it off, and then say, give me four ninety nine a month so you can hear the rest of it. That's not what we're about. We're about having fun and building community. So, uh, but you know, service costs money, internet costs money. If you can help out and help us out and help us bring you more shows and more content, the more we get support, the more shows we're going to do. Right now, we're once a week. We're going to do this. Uh, you know, if I could do this four four nights a week, I'd be fantastic. I, I will have Doug and Danny on as my opening co-hosts, if possible. If I can convince them to take their shirts off for you people, I will do so. I'm game, Danny. Uh, no. <laughs> All right. But you're in a band, man. I, th- I thought that was cool for you. I, I'm not ripped. I used to be thinner. Yeah. I'm chubby now. Okay, you see these lines. Well, if you're watching on the YouTube, if you see these lines here, I got this, like, nice little, you know, I got this. It, it's called a 2-4. Doug, you're you're in, you know I know you're in America uh, you're in the U S you're an American I am and I don't know what uh, twenty four packs of beer are called up down there but in Canada they're called two fours so I got a two uh, four that's a good start is what we call it yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> I love it um so yeah uh, you know I, I got I'm wearing the vest now because at least it holds the pudge and I'm trying to get the camera in the right position so that I, I can at least uh, seem like I'm in a pretty good shape wife's make me go to the gym and I'm okay with that but. Uh, Oh, shit, I broke that rule already. All right. <laughs> so, um... That was, you had one rule. We had, had You had one rule! You broke the rule! Okay, so... <laughs> I'm going to be introduced... They've been on the, the air for a while, so I'm going to introduce our guests very carefully here. Uh, let's see. You're, and I'm just going to try to make sure my notes are okay. Oh, there we go. So... <clears throat> And I wrote some of these myself, so please do apologize if this is 100%. I do apologize if this is not 100%, guys, but I'll try my best here. Danny Kerr is a researcher from the Niagara region of Canada, and although his research may be overwhelming to some, his basic idea is that both Tesla and the ancients thought up of similar systems for, of the, for the distribution of electricity. No one has yet been able to replicate Tesla's Earth wave vibration. And I missed an apostrophe in that, sorry. Um, vibration theory, or demonstrate a working model of the Great Pyramid as a power plant. Now, Danny demonstrates the uh, simple, uh, simple similarities between Tesla's uh, Wandercliffe Tower and the pyramids, and presents the idea that the uh, present and presents the idea that the Great Pyramid could function as a low-frequency acoustic engine with the passages and chambers of the pyramid in their current empty state. Now, Doug Keenan uh, was born in Indiana and received his degree in electrical engineering from the Rose Hulman Institute of Technology. For more than 20 years, that's a long fucking time, he enjoyed a career in the consumer electronics field. You used to make big screen TVs, didn't you? <laughs> field and holds several pa- patents, including the multi-brand universal remote control. Holy shit. Really? If I know. Several patents, including the multi-brand. Four three four U.S. patent. Do you know how, okay, and uh, a computer programmer, botanist, and interpreter. Okay, um, now that I have you on the line, I used to work at Radio Shack when I was in my young 20s. Um, uh-huh. Doug, I love you to death, but I swear to God, the amount of, like, 90-year-old people I had come into the show and then tell me the remote was broken when the batteries were dead, it, <laughs> it, it drove me so insane that I would just, like, after, like, the first three, I'm like, okay, you know what, that's cool, no problem. Like, you know, take it to the back, you change the batteries out, you bring it back, I'm like, oh, here's a brand new remote for you. I fixed it, it's not a problem, you're good to go. You don't even tell them that it was, you know, done, you know, there, there's a lot of explaining that needs to be done, but at the, but at the end of the day, um, I, I, knew, I knew my way around that thing very well after the end of my first three months. In, uh, well, on sure, the well, think about how many people just decide they want to buy a whole new television set. 
you know that that's great and that's what uh, that's what me working at audiotronic was for oh man back in like the heyday when big screen tv like a, a good plasma was f- like four or five grand with good like 20 percent profit oh man that was that was uh, that was the good old days. Now now it's like you, you go in buy a fifth you know five hundred dollar TV. There's like twenty dollars worth of profit, and you wonder why people push the extended warranty so much. There's no profit on electronics, only on home audio, and home audio is not big anymore, unfortunately. So now well, that only I've, really high end. Well, true, true. Like uh like uh Bang Olufsen uh, BMW or um yeah like uh. Man, what Macintosh amplifiers? Like even like even like Denon's and and uh, um, like well, Denon's and Marantz will have good profit on it. But if you go to like the Pioneer stuff, usually they're like fifteen percent profit, made in China. It's you know the last of three years. My, my Denon twenty eight oh eight CI has lasted me thirteen years at this point. No, not a hitch. So, um, but anyway, I digress. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's an honor to be man. here. Now. I'm going to say that uh, if you want to be able to check out um, uh, Danny's stuff, you can go to the Tesla Pyramids. TeslaPyramids.com. If you put in Tesla Pyramid, you're going to get nothing. TeslaPyramids.com. And for uh, Doug, Doug has a couple of books out that I know that we're going to be going into here, but you can also check out his three uh, Big Sky Map, Birthday Pie which I found absolutely adorable. And this one here, uh, Cycles of the Pyramids. Move this over. Cycles of the Pyramids. So, now, a lot of this research is based around the idea that the pyramid is more than just a tomb. Now, this is something that you and I and everyone well, at home... Well, it's not a tomb. Well, it's not a tomb. It's not a, <laughs> that's the thing. It's not a tomb. And this is, this is something that is... Something that everyone who is listening to the show can actually agree upon and uh, i know the first thing that i'm going to be asking well we already talked about the first thing that i was going to be asking because i wanted to bust your balls a little bit because you guys have been supporting the show and you're you're becoming good friends and i appreciate that but the first thing i want to ask you is how the hell did you guys hook up because you're different uh, different countries uh somewhat different um uh you know fields of study i know that there are some disagreements in terms of your theories what is the big correlation between both of your works and how did you guys get started can i take that one danny yeah of course okay uh good question um i've danny's actually been there danny has actually crawled around inside the thing um he's been on a tour and so he actually has firsthand experience excuse me and photographs i had questions i have not seen it um and was interested in certain parts of it that I suspected he may have photographs of. So I contacted him on Facebook, and the ball started rolling from that point, and we found out that there's such a synergy between our work that it's it's almost easier to work together than to work apart. Exactly. No, okay, <laughs> no, like, was this something that, you, like, you met somewhere? Like, did you approach him? Did he approach you? Was was it something like you just like, kind of met up in a, in a Facebook chat room talking about the flat earth and uh, flat earthers and how they're completely no. insane? Like, yeah, how, so it was start? all about the flat earthers. Um, he uh, was actually the granite slabs that are in the corridor that Egyptologists call the ascending passage. It's three large stones, slabs of granite that they tell you were put in place and slid down to keep tomb robbers from going in and robbing the mummy, which was never put in there in the first place. Um and 
he had said something about that. He, it was it's very important to me to see how those are in because those are movable components in the device. Um, they're driven by water pressure, and so it's important to me how they are stopped at both ends. Um, and so that's what it was. That's what I was going after. Danny had a whole bunch of photographs. He's got all kinds of great stories, um, but that's specifically what I was what I was looking for at the time. Um, we are fortunate these days. Uh, nothing beats going there and taking a look yourself. But at least these days we have a lot of high definition photographs, yep. a lot of videos, um, so you can do a reasonable job um, of figuring things out, um, you know, from a distance. Okay. Actually, Doug, I want to I want to know what you think about uh, how people say they were concreted in place, um, the uh, granite plugs there. Because I think oh. that the limestone sediment could just harden, and uh, limestone doesn't change shape when it's used in concrete. Uh, it, it hardens just the way you leave it, so sediment could harden just like concrete, and that's what I figure. Well, uh, the William, thing about concrete, is, is everybody since the Romans has had concrete. So unless you watch somebody putting it down there, who knows why people are doing stuff? Um, you'd have to you'd have to see if it makes sense. And I would like to say I was just going with the standard argument that Egyptologists give you is that the things are free to move, um, that they put yeah. them somewhere. So I'm actually just going to run with that. Me too. And they and were at some point they were concerned that they might slide or something. So somebody decided, hey, let's just cement them in place. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, so what what what's the now the, the second thing and again i, I again this is going to be the second question that i was going to uh, I, I gave you guys a heads up on it because i didn't ask it last week out, out of respect for for steven because we, we we were you know there i, I still Steven's believe doing a good job he's, he's, doing, doing, a great he's job. doing a good job i still believe in the orion correlation it's in like not really okay. believe. the evidence from what i've seen from everything i've read and for the fact that i've seen the like i've seen documentaries i've read the paper on it you know i've i've talked to Baval himself and everything makes sense. Like, if the mainstream and the not mainstream is pretty well about 95% of the way agreeing that, yeah, this is probably a thing, and, you know, whether it's Cygnus or whether it's Orion, either there, but still, you know... It, yeah, that's Andrew Collins' work, right? Well, true the Cygnus connection. Um, so... That, well, actually, any everything that Dandy and I are going to be saying tonight is not in conflict with the OCT. Okay, and I, I, okay that, well, that, that's good to know. Now, the, the next question it, it's, is... It sidesteps it all together. It's, it's weird mm-hmm. looking and different. You know, I'm more concerned about the planets, you know, um, and Danny's more concerned about what it's doing to Earth currents. So... Okay. Um, if you, if somebody... I don't think either Danny or I are inclined to do so, but if somebody wants to argue that they are a representation of Orion's belt, go for it. That that we are not in conflict with that whatsoever. Okay. Now the next thing is that you that you did show me. Now I'm going to bring this up here uh, because uh, th- the next question was, what the heck is with the water? Because every single engineer that I've talked to has said mm-hmm. the pyramid cannot hold water; it will leak because yes. it, it, because it is it is porous. Uh, it's like again, even if it's rock, the you know, even if you cannot slip a piece of paper between the stones, the water st- if it's under high enough pressure, the water still will find its way out. So, mm-hmm. how do you account for that? Well, that's actually a straw man, though, because I'm arguing that there's a moat wall that surrounds it that actually holds the water in. Um, so long as the the operational passages are more or less airtight, and they seem to be made that way because they're basically constructed out of two pieces of stone. Um, then no, you can let the water go through the cracks. As a matter of fact, everything below the water line, which is on that technical drawing, um, I expect it is going to be full of water. 
So okay. to to see it not leaking, I mean, and of course, we're not arguing like that there's, um, you know, water locks or something going all the way to the top that has to hold that water. Okay. Uh, I think it was saturated and that maybe helped it not, well, leak. It's not going to leak if it's sat completely saturated. There's, you know, almost nowhere for the water to go other than maybe down slowly, but it's constantly replenished. Okay. Now, yeah. I, I know that there was an image that you had sent me today. I'm going to try and see if I can bring this up here. Uh, Close Photoshop and see if I can actually find the image. One. So let's see here. Was it? That's it. Oh, John Cadman in the house. Yes, the moat wall is not a controversy. Okay. Well, that... they say that it keeps people out. We're saying it keeps water in. Okay. Now I, I've got the image <laughs> up on screen. That's the beautiful part about the technology and being my own producer. I can bring up my own images. Um, now the the moat wall and again for the the viewers at home, it's on this side. Now my finger's about the side of the moat wall. I'm not sure if you're able to see it or not yet. Um, the moat wall, from what you are describing, I believe, is at about my eye level. So whatever you can see that on screen, let me know. I see yep. it. Okay. Ah, I just have to prepare myself for this. So go, go ahead and describe me exactly what's going on here. Okay, what we see is the, the cross-section of the pyramid itself. By now, most researchers should recognize most of the major structures. Um... There is also a moat wall. This wall is currently, like I said, it's currently accepted uh, to be in place. Um, they will just tell you that I suppose that the priests put it there to keep people out. Um, but as I have it um, shown in the drawing there, that's actually a wall to keep water in. Um, it's supplying enough pressure. Uh, the device works on the energy of falling water. And so that water, the farther it falls, the more energy it's going to have. Um, we know where not, we know where the main entrance was, used to be, uh, the water level had to be at least that high. Uh, my computations are, there's about 10 centimeters worth of ripple into it so that I just went ahead and put it another two meters overhead just to have plenty of room. Um, you also notice when you trace, trace that across that water level now immerses the bottom of what is called the Queens pyramid, which is more of a, a reference area. Um, it's the, it's the reference level for water and the whole thing. Um, Neat. so yeah, going back to the leak question, I expect everything under that that you see in the blue was, was saturated. So saying it's going to leak is irrelevant. Of course it's going to leak. It's full of water. <laughs> okay. Granted, granted. Uh, and again, thank you very much for at least clearing that up. Now, now we can have some fun. Uh, you know, that's, uh, I appreciate the explanation. <laughs> And uh, mm -hmm. I would expect nothing else from the uh, inventor of the uni uh, universal basic remote. So, the next thing is the entire Tesla concept. Now, I, I remember the tower. The tower, uh, the Tesla tower, uh, was originally supposed to have been built, and it was essentially built. It was just never really turned on. Uh, and this was the tower that. Oh. He... Hello. Sorry, it wasn't finished. It was, well, it wasn't, it wasn't finished. Okay, so the tower itself was not finished, but it was supposed to... Um, it, it was being built with... You know, I should be able to remember the name. And I know because it's actually a... Uh, actually, a TV man manufacturer. Uh, but the gentleman who was funding him at the time... And I know somebody in chat's going to be able to chip in. Uh, J.P. Morgan? Uh, J.P. Well, J.P. Morgan is one. I know that... Uh, yeah, I think it was actually uh, J.P. Morgan. Was that Westinghouse? Well, uh, Westinghouse, yes. And... It was supposed to supply electricity for the entire, like, essentially for everybody. Free energy for everybody. When they said, realized that they could not make any money off of this, they shut it down. So, what, how, how does this translate 
to technology that was built, you know, potentially 4,500 or older or longer uh, ago? And what, what would the purpose have been? Oh, well, same things, uh, same purpose we have power for now. Um, uh, cooking, heating, uh, filtering water, uh, pretty much anything. Even how, if you had a positive ground uh, underneath your feet, that's, um, that's, uh, that's how you get levitation. You, you positive ground would induce eddy currents into something like a copper wire or, or whatever, and uh, it could float. That's, that's something that's pretty crazy, but uh, it actually might be possible. You know, uh, but I, I think that um, uh, wireless power could have had all kinds of uses. I think the power traveled through the ground too. Um, just, just that uh, they were able to pick it up with the ground, either with other pyramids, or um, you know, and what what it was used for, I really, really don't know. Maybe lighting these deep caves that uh, have myths about caves, the caves walls lighting up. You know, these caves are sometimes kilometers long with no torch marks. With inscriptions in these in these tunnels, uh, the Valley of the like Kings. The is a, is a, yeah, Serapium is a really weird one. <laughs> that's that's just a really weird one. Those those boxes, like, what do they do? Are they they're like safes or something or, or vaults? Mm-hmm. Um, there's I, I don't know what the power could have been used for. All Tesla pyramids is basically just um, you know pattern recognition on steroids. Just you know I noticed uh, how the Tesla used two coils. And when you mix two coils, uh, AC frequencies together, there's only so many outcomes uh, that are usable. And so I noticed that with, with these two coils, I figured uh, after using test oscillators and uh, my studio here, I just I figured that the best way to mix two frequencies is to create a beat frequency. And when I realized that it's Pulse DC, and I had heard in some, there's uh, some websites out there, um, like Tesla Society and... Uh, I followed Eric Dollard for a little while where I was learning that they, they kept tossing around Pulse DC. And being a sound engineer, I just noticed uh, if you have two resonating structures built very close in size, that uh, you get Pulse DC output. Especially when, um, uh, from my own personal experiences, uh, I can tell it's low frequency uh, AC mixing together. Okay. And that was from, uh, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Okay, now for, for I'm... I, I'm a graphic designer. I'm an advertiser. I'm, I'm a very creative guy. I understand a lot of the the basics as far as you know building uh, DC generators or step up or step down transformers, um, and I, you know I can see a lot of that uh, from from the work that's actually there. Within your Cycles of the Pyramids book, there's a lot of hard math that that, sounds, that yeah. just really made my head spin. Like oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, well, that was actually kind of the point. Um, it's cool. Whether it's honestly, if I, if you know, you talk to some people, uh, everybody has a different audience, right? Mm-hmm. I come out of an audience of, of engineering, and mathematics is like hieroglyphs in its own way. It, it's a language that has very specific meaning, so long as you know the context of everything. Um, when I speak with another engineer, this is the language I need to be able to speak. Um, he's there's a. There's a, a law I like to quote that comes out of spacecraft design called Aiken's Law Number One, which basically <laughs> says that analysis without numbers is just opinion. Basically, you have to back up what you're saying with something that can be quantified, that something can actually be measured. Um, then you can build models and see if that tests it, you know, if it works. But it's one thing for me to say that the 
the water falling down that tunnel and that drawing is generating a pressure wave. And it's one another thing altogether if I use calculations on that to show that it's producing a pressure wave of 9.6 megapascals. Um, which now, is um, uh, what? What is a megapascal? That's a number I can take to another engineer. Okay. And with with, with all of that being said, if you're if you're comparing the two things, uh, how how does the, the the Great Pyramid relate to the uh, the Tesla's tower with, with regards to the construction? Like what what was the, what was the same? What was different? And and why does that matter? Oh, um, well. Uh, from my own observations, um, the Tesla tower was uh, two coils in series uh, with a virtual ground on top, and that uh, the pyramids in relation would be their own separate, essentially coils or resonating um, uh, generators, electrical uh, uh, you know, generators there, and that each one would repre uh, represent the coil, and they would be in parallel as opposed to series, um, and each having their own power supply. So as, as uh, you know, Tesla, you know, building his tower, he probably could have had a parallel tower with the frequencies oscillating between the, uh, the coils, just the same as the pyramid setup. No, but you know, parallel. There's no, there's, there's no coil in the pyramid, though, as far as we can, you know, tell. Um, maybe an internal spiral ramp or, um, you know, it's, uh, the shape of the pyramid is um, allowing for resonance, uh, you know, of a specific frequency, you know. That's where, uh, like, uh, each coil would have a specific frequency, and then they would mix. Now, by, by you parallel, know. you're meaning two towers. Now, there, there was only one Tesla tower, which means there would have been That's right. a second tower. Could have, there's no reason it could have been two towers. Okay. Well, you know, that makes a little yeah, bit more sense. Just yeah. kind of stack them on top of each other. Hmm. Now, yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot of construction theories with regards to the, the pyramids and ends. You know, whether it's through water, whether it's internal ramp, whether it's the giant ramp outside, whether it's an external ramp, um, knowing what you guys know about engineering, what, knowing what you know, know about Tesla, um, how long do you think it would have taken to be able to build the pyramid? Oh, long time. Decades. Decades. A lot closer to 100 years than 20 years. That, the um, whole site, yeah. Oh, the whole site probably took over 100 years, I think. You know, who knows? You would need serious manpower. Half of the... That Giza plateau was built up, so it's it, you look at the you when you see the pyramid in person, it's on a hill, and uh, Yusef Iwan actually took uh, the whole tour group out of bounds and showed us where uh, to the east of the, of the pyramids there, where there is multiple massive blocks that built up the uh, Giza plateau. So they had to build essentially in <laughs> probably more mass than the pyramid, or more cubic feet or meters there than the pyramid, just to build the pyramid. So Say twenty years to get first hand, uh, you know, like a first hand look at it. And most people, they, you know, and uh, Robert Bavala said this himself. Um, I, again, I, I could be wrong on this. You, you know, people study the pyramid, but they don't actually go to go see it. You have to actually go see the pyramid firsthand to know, because you, you can, you can write everything down on paper, but until you actually are physically in the damn thing, uh, you, everything else is just guesswork. Now, Ellen asked. Did you actually lay down in the sarcophagus in the in the king's chamber? Did you get an opportunity to to lay down? Yes, I did. Oh, cool. How was that? Uh, I was like laying down in a in a, a rock box. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I, I chant you chant in it. You can you can hit the resonant frequency of the box and of the room, but it really uh, that's just showing you reverb. 
I think the you can hit uh, actually in the bathroom at home. I showed my one friend Hans. You might be listening. We walked into a um, we went back to our hotel. There, yes, it was like being bathed in vibrations. It was awesome. It was uh, surreal. Yeah, you know, we had the resonance of the king's chamber is well known. It's it's obviously designed for it, and you have to ask yourself, what's the point of that if all you're going to do is stick a corpse in it? Now, if I'm not- I mean, they went to a great trouble to bring the granite there um, and lift it all up, you know, hundreds of feet in the air. Um, there had to be a darn good reason for it, and the resonance, you know, it, it matches up with the cathedral. Um, it, it's for a space that small, it, it's nothing less than an acoustic wonder. Well, the, the, mm-hmm. cathe- the cathedrals themselves were built around a certain acoustic plan. Uh, sure, but look know, how big they are, too. <laughs> well, well the, the, one, one of the purposes was well, whether, you're t- you're, whether it was adapted through uh, some basic understanding of, uh, of how the acoustics work and how they can affect people. Uh, a lot of the cathedrals, especially around, uh, you know, during the, the 1300s and, and you know, 1400s before the, 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 the cooling period, uh, you, you could stand at the, the altar and speak in a normal tone of voice and you can hear you, you can hear the person at, at the or you can be heard at the back of uh, the cathedral which is amazing um when somebody's hitting the resonance within that pyramid uh, can can that be heard in the queen's chamber and in the subterranean chamber or is yes. it, it it can yes oh sure yeah and any any cave system would do that too and and one that was all reflective and flat inside would do it easily how, how does this yeah, matter like outside of it, you would hear the device going for miles. I mean, oh, especially underground. If you put your ear on the ground, <laughs> you would definitely hear it. You know. Now, uh, how uh, I know that uh, uh, Mark Nebel from uh, YouTube chats asking, and I was actually about to ask this uh, myself. How does the um, how does that resonance affect the fluid or the the water? How, how is there any um, oh, oh any purpose? I postulated or or I had the idea that maybe the um, the whole system is hitting the resonant frequency of, of boiling water, and maybe it boiled the water instantly, adding to the efficiency of the system. Okay, well, what, you know, what, what, would the, what would the purpose of boiling the water be? Increase the efficiency of electrolysis, or just generating gas, putting energy into the water. Okay. Um, and I know that we've got a, uh, an image here, and this is actually from... I'm going to see if I can bring this up here. Uh, give me just a moment here. Uh, da, da, da. Add... Display capture. We're gonna capture this from my. Hopefully this will work. Hopefully I do, do not, you know, all of a sudden show my YouTube on this one. Yep. Ah, son of a gun. All right, bring that over. There we go. Okay, so the image that I've got on here, uh, this is from uh, Danny's uh, website, and that's a cross section of the Great Pyramid, and also was the basis for the thumbnail for the show. Thank you very much for that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Can you describe exactly what's going on in like th- this is a process obviously and it's it's a step process I can see the numbers laid out one two three four all the way up to uh, that this is 15. actually a diagram I I got uh, um, I think it was John Cadman's originally oh um, yeah yeah and he uh, will let me use it and uh, basically without doing what Doug did without any math whatsoever just using my basic you know knowledge that I've gained over the years I came to this. Uh, not conclusion, but idea that uh, the, if the change in water level could push out some gas, uh, that gas could be ignited. Maybe had a thermoacoustic effect, um, like like a, much like a big hot trumpet. And uh, yeah, just that uh, I think a thermoelectric effect happened possibly with the granite. I 
uh, as far as I can tell, piezoelectrics are very low output in that I think thermoelectrics were at play here. Um, by having, you know, a pyramid even means fire in the middle. That taken literally, um, you know, fire meaning like heat in the middle, hot in the middle, maybe just very simply uh, the, the stones touching above the king's chamber where there's a, um, the junction um, was where the thermoelectric couple was. And that they uh, that caused an actual flow of current inside, to which created DC, which could have had a converse piezoelectric effect, which actually originally I posted an image on the when I first published my website, I was saying thermoelectric modulated DC, um, because I thought that you know a converse piezoelectric effect essentially was just modulating the current put into it, so from thermoelectrics, and that, this is a, this is a stretch, and I don't have the math. But it's uh, from my, you know, just looking at it and seeing the, the heat of the situation build up. If, if, that, if, if this thing ran for 24 hours a day for weeks on end, it got hot. It would heat soak, and that heat would definitely not be wasted. Uh, nothing seems to be wasted in this design. Everything accounted for. Okay. You know, so the, the entropy of this system was, was used. Now, so. I'm, just, now I'm, I'm just trying to, because uh, I'm, I'm center camera right now, so I'm going to try and... Uh, bring this up so I've got both on the same both on the same screen at the same time. So just give me just a moment here. There we go. You know, I, I Doug, I know that you said hire an intern. I may need to be able to do that one of these days. Somebody, somebody <laughs> who can do this for me. And it, I'm, I'm at, <laughs> sorry, I'm actually I was forgetting. I I forgot somebody who's here in the chat. And Doug and I both need to commend this guy, John Cadman. Uh, none of this would would have even happened without John. I first seen his video, I don't know, like I don't know, five years ago or something like that. Rocked me. Uh, uh, people who are not familiar with John Cadman's work need to become familiar with John Cadman's work. Um, he is breaking new ground with regards to the subterranean chamber and has the only working model of it. And it's been working for good heavens, more than <laughs> 10 years, I'm, I'm sure. So, so, um, so John Cadman's actually built yeah, He would make an this. excellent guest for you um, well, well, at some point. Well, you know, April is our science month. And uh, I'm gonna have to get in touch with John then, because uh, I've got I've got a, a one week to book to be able to fill it up. So I'd love to be, like to be able to get uh, to get all three of you guys on to be able to to, to be able to describe this in full. Yeah, or at get least... Chris Dunn in there too. <clears throat> well, if I can get Chris, you know, I pro probably have him on Facebook for all I know. Um, but I'd love to be able to know a lot of the technical side. I know that he was the uh, you know the forebear for this for this theory. And again, even for myself. I, I'm, I'm putting it out there for individuals. Whether I know it as a possibility or not, or whether I know... I don't know shit when it comes to this. I've never been to Giza. I've never been into the pyramid. I, I'm, I'm going by the experts and the people who've been there and who've done the research. And we're, we're putting the show out to, so that others can make up their mind and give them all the information that's possible so that they can discover for themselves whether uh, you know this is a, a right theory or wrong theory. Not for me to say. I'm, I'm here just to be able to cheer you guys on and and, you know, uh, put the information out there. Now, the main thing for me is the process as far as the information is concerned. Can you guys walk me through the process? And I'm going to try and move the camera o over here. So, again, I do apologize, everybody, if this gets a little bit bumpy. One second here. We, we are a very low... T we're slowly increasing our quality, but we are still very low-tech. So, if you guys can walk me through what exactly is happening in this diagram. This, okay, first of all, this diagram is oversimplified. 
Okay. Um, I don't account for like you wouldn't necessarily need to fill that queen's chamber. Possibly, you wouldn't. Uh, who knows? There, it could have just simply rolled the water in, and it could have prevented it from igniting while pushing out gas almost in between cycles. But uh, without building a model, you don't know for sure. Um, but as far as Doug, you got to take it. We got to probably put one up on your images here. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know anything about this. This is all Danny. Yeah, yeah. My my that, that I agree. There. I I agree at the water level. It's below with water and about every other thing that, as much as I respect Danny, I think I've gone in a little bit direction. Um, my, I see the device is creating enormous frequencies resonating at all throughout the spectrum, and there's a whole lot of lower frequency spectrum that I don't have a clue what it's doing. And if Danny says that it that works on uh, principles that tesla was investigating hey that's good enough for me um, i'm more worried about the microwave signals that it's generating to bounce off of the other planets okay yeah. well that the, we're we're gonna get to that in a second uh but it like danny danny can you walk me through the general like the simplified process like don't, don't give me all the science but like walk me through how this is supposed to work as well as, as okay. a show all righty water uh descends from the moat um so the, down the, through the pyramid Pushes on a valve that slams itself shut, causes a shockwave to fire into the bottom of the pyramid, setting it into vibration. That shockwave continues up the descending passage, pushes the granite plugs a bit. They shoot some water up, water that was actually has, has built up past them. They, the water goes into the queen's chamber, pushes out some gas. Um, that gas is ignited after it uh, drains down between combustion periods. And the water that's left over on the queen's chamber floor, this is in my opinion, is left in the chamber to continue uh, electrologist uh, production, and uh, that's where you know the gas would start to seep out. If there's another image, if you scroll down on the page there, uh, where it shows the it, um, the queen's chambers and the horizontal passage is drained, um, but the uh, the water left over in that passage generates some gas between combustion periods while the passage is also open. I don't think you'd want it to dry out uh, either. I think the water actually provided some resistance. Um, the uh, gas exited the chamber. The pressure pulse came up, pushed some gas out. Slash. If you shove water, inject water into a combustion chamber of uh, of a, uh, <laughs> a jet engine, you get some gnarly effects. Uh, raise the octane for one. Um, so that that would uh, control the burn perfectly, uh, helping with the timing of the system. Um, and I just think that the entire system just got hot by continuously creating fire and, uh, that this fire could have had a thermoacoustic effect. Um, uh, when you stand in the antechamber, uh, hitting the resonance there, anyone can do it. Anybody, a novice person could stand in the antechamber and stand there and hum really quick. And it responds to you so well, it's freaky. And, um, We've uh, recorded this, and it was around 108 hertz. That's where I actually, I also um, I use that information also to, to say that it's low frequency, too. It's just everything seems tuned to around 100 hertz. Um, and that, uh, yeah, just the thermoelectrics of the situation. Basically, the hydro, I mean, the uh, queen's chamber is in the center of the pyramid in the middle of the negatively charged limestone. And basically, it's connected to the positive granite, which is positively charged by heat. Uh, through the horizontal passage um, that that's my own interpretation of it there's zero math but I uh, as far as I can tell if that passage is is lined in granite which some believe I couldn't tell when I was there the pyramid is really dirty 
Um, they didn't even know the uh, Grand Gallery was granted until it was cleaned, and uh, I think Chris Dunn noticed, and he, uh, you know, told everybody, "Hey, it's granted," you know, one hundred percent. And that was noticed uh, the scorch marks on it. <laughs> yeah, and I was, and it, you before the the ceiling was cleaned, it was all black, and you could have been torches, right? But now, when you see that pattern, the uh, it was probably wasn't torches, and it probably wasn't a fire that uh, you know all the wood inside burning. Um, yeah, that would uh, the angle of the room would probably produce a continuous solid burn mark, not nodes and anti-nodes like what I think there. The uh, hot marks being where the anti-nodes were uh, would be, you know, um, yeah. So th- uh, okay, <laughs> so so essentially the grand gallery would have been the plus, and the queen's chamber would have been the minus. So that is the yes. Uh, that oh, is, and the chemicals. Sorry. Okay, and the chemicals. That that seems to be the gnarliest nine volt battery. Like if you stick your tongue on that, that's just gonna hurt a lot. Um, Maybe. Or well, <laughs> although I think for like those types of distances, you wouldn't be able to reach both of them at the exact same time. I haven't done that. I haven't done this since I was like five. Oh, thought, it, um, cool. they they think it's lined with granite. Uh, even some of the queen's chamber could be granite. We don't know. It's so dirty, and uh, you know, it's it's not well documented. People say um, just or uh, uh, you can watch even pyramid code, and and um, they show a. Uh, in the movie, they show a, a one demo where it shows how the whole thing was lined with granite. And the guy says it was lined with granite to maybe keep this thing going. When I think it's lined with granite just to make the connection, um, you know, uh, the, the thermoelectric uh, keep it keeping thermoelectrics flowing. Um, and the chemicals, basically, I think they just either had an exothermic reaction. They could have produced extra hydrogen gas. And I'm actually lately because of. Um, uh, struggling to actually get heat out of this model. I actually think that uh, possibly lead was being used, uh, like lead dioxides or uh, a lead cathode, and that would produce a ton of uh, ozone and adding tons of oxygen to the system, make possibly enabling a serious heat output. And that would, like, I would love to try and uh, like set up that model later. Now, uh, um, now, as we know, John Cadman is in the chat with us, and um, again, a, a lot of these models are based off of uh, uh, John's work, and I can understand that. he's um, He has mentioned something in the chat here, and again, I, I'd like to be able to just state this here. Um, uh, John John said uh, the, the flows are wrong, and I asked him to elaborate. He said, the water and the gases peak, uh, perk, perk? I'm guessing he means percolate, yep. possibly from the yep. rear of the subchamber, up to the queen's chamber, and uh, then he oh, stated, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Overflow, That's not on the diagram. Uh, overflow water goes from the queen's pooling chamber to drain back down into the well shaft." So, yeah, I'm... somewhere about where you see the six on the diagram, there should be an air release valve because the sub chamber does not like air at all, and it's got to have a way to get out. Mm-hmm. So that would have been, yeah. So the the air right release there, yeah. valve would have been somewhere on top. Would have been, uh, like at the seven or the eight northwest point, corner, northwest the co- six. So the sixth, okay. So it would have been would have been on that area there, and it, and it runs up to the queen's chamber. <clears throat> okay. Um, now I know that we've got uh, Wayne actually asked a good question with this, and <clears throat> this is something I, I may have touched on earlier. Uh, we know that so the okay so the pyramid produces power. Any speculation on where it went or what it was used for? Yes. Go ahead, Doug. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> uh, I'll take a turn in a minute. Yeah, uh, my research at this point is very specific what they were using the energy for, and that's to use it like a radar gun and figuring out exactly how big the solar system is. Uh, You can only do so much 
with visual observations. Um, it takes radar measurements to actually really dial in where the other bodies in our solar system are. Okay, so what you're saying, I'm just going to drop this picture. It's going to be kind of sudden here. Whoop, uh, there we go. So the what you're saying is that it was one giant radar emitter that the, the was... The Great Pyramid is the transmitter, yes. Okay, so would that have made... The middle one, the the so-called Khafre's Pyramid, Khafre's is pyramid. the receiver. Okay, so are, do we have... that? That's the thing. Like, Khafre's Pyramid, it's just the pyramid itself... And there hasn't been much in terms of studying of the Khafre's Pyramid compared to the Great Pyramid, because the Great Pyramid is the one that is supposed to be, you know, it's it's uh, due, uh, due north by uh, just tenths of a degree off, and it has phi and pi in it and all this, so that's that, that's the big hoopla over the pyramid. But nobody's really yeah. taken a look at, at Khafre's Pyramid all that much. Is, is that correct? Um, I, uh, the Great Pyramid is, you know, arguably more interesting, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know what, though? Sorry, the whole plateau hasn't been looked at well enough. Yeah. Egyptology yeah. just disregards everything ab- about the entire site. It's, it's, it's awful. You know what really, really would be really hilarious if, if this entire, um, if the radar uh, theory were correct, and Zahi Hawass, who absolutely tests using radar and refuses to use it, <laughs> so it's like <laughs> if he says no, it's like, like I hate radar. I never use radar, and the entire freaking Giza plateau is made to emit radar. I would just think that would just be the most hilarious thing ever. Can, uh, can you bring yeah. up the uh, my website again and scroll down to that? Um, there's an image, a big white image of the uh, Tesla diagram showing the... Yes, give me just one second here. I'm just going to... There's the problem with only having myself here in the studio. Everywhere, in every direction. And uh, <laughs> there that, we go. Um, just like radio towers nowadays, this... this Flat Earth theory, uh, people can uh, listen to this. Radio frequencies radiate away from Earth, and every 50 miles or so, we have to put a new, another radio tower to keep the frequencies going around the globe. Or else, if not, they just keep going. So I think that uh, that might even be a reason for building other pyramids. Now, you, in, you've, on that. you've got that further down. That That's the next... That's a, so that's the burn marks on top of the ceiling, scorch marks on top of the ceiling. I know that you actually had a... I forget how far down it was with regards to uh, the two pyramids. Oh, there we go. That's the, the, uh, there's a big white photo coming. I'm just trying to relate. Oh, there they are. Doug. So that, that's the Khafre and the Khufu pyramid. Now, obviously, if, if, there, oh. if there's alternating currents that are being generated by the pyramids, where is, and this is one second, eight hertz, um, why is that significant? Okay, the pyramids are really close in size. And two instruments that are resonating, um, <laughs> uh, that are the same, you know, mass and shapes practically, um, would would also, uh, would fight. The frequencies would fight coming out of them. They're, they're just too close in size at that range. When you, if you built a small pyramid that sat on your desk right now, like a two inches high, mm-hmm. and you started scaling that pyramid up, the tone would get deeper and deeper and deeper. And eventually, when you get to that size of pyramid, the tones are so close, they're both so deep that. Uh, they just they just clash just and I try I say like two keys on a keyboard, uh, mostly the low end side of the keyboard. But it, it's it's that, like having uh, uh, it's it's like having in, in sound uh, because like I've I've been a DJ before and I I know it like for for sound canceling headphones <clears throat> you have the 
you know, the wave that comes in, you've got the, the, the way, when it's been being detected, it sends out an, the exact same wave in the opposite direction to cancel that wave out. Yeah, opposite phase too, yeah. Okay. Yep. So yep. is that something that you have to be, like, if, if they're canceling the phases out, so... No, so this, this here is constantly combining uh, positively and then negatively and then positively and negatively. Um, but it's technically always positive uh, when you talk about electricity. Uh, sorry, they're constantly, the frequencies are alternating back and forth. This picture is actually wrong in my opinion. It should be a 16 hertz wave with an 8 hertz underlying frequency that actually uh, couples back and overlays it again and positively, uh, positively reinforces the amplitude again. So if you created a standing wave in something with pulse DC, it would just create greater amplitude pulses. And this is specific, would this specifically be to cancel out? Like, so, and again, l let me take a no, step back uh, here and yeah. try and, and, and parse together what I'm being told here, so in my own words, so that hopefully you can tell me that I'm right, uh, for the, and especially for the viewers at home. If uh, Khufu's Pyramid is supposed to be sending out um, microwaves or, you know, basically a, a radar uh, sender, and a conference is supposed mm -hmm. to be a receiver, if they are that large, they're going to be producing some type of uh, harmonic uh, output that is in the, in the audible range. So How, you mean together? Well, take well together. Well, well I, I was actually trying to be able to confirm whether it was together or whether Khufu was creating the sound. A coffer was built as a receiver as well as a way to be able to cancel out the sound so that it wouldn't just be this giant. Mm, bass sound all the time so it would kind of that, that's really that's really cool big bass catch um yeah, i think i think that the pyramid might be on the spot where um you know if the if, uh, khufu's pyramid is is rocking and, and singing away that and it's vibrating the ground that the coffer pyramid would be on that sweet spot where the phase oscillations or vibrations or uh, the phase vibrations are in phase and so basically if you put kafra's pyramid on the sweet spot that's vibrating in the local area you increase its you know it's it's mixing it's you increase its ability to affect the situation because it's not off somewhere else. It's not resonating very nice. You okay. Know, it's, it's, yeah. Now, if it is supposed to be used as a radar sender receiver, is the ability to be able to create electricity a byproduct that they're just, you know, using to power tools and, and let's say power either the civilization or maybe it's just the valley? Um, like, is the electricity just something that is a byproduct or was it part of the intended... Uh, like, was it a part of like a dual or multi-use function of of this construction? Maybe it was dual use. Uh, I think that a, a changing magnetic field that's always positive could deduce current into something. No problem. That's yeah. Uh, um, my personal opinion is that this culture, the culture of the builders, seem to work more with water pressure and flows as we work with high voltage electricity. <laughs> Um, yep. so it would be the, it would be something they would do just to solve the problem they've got, which is, you know, the, the technical problem they have of, of measuring the solar system. Um, but yeah, the electricity would be an ends to a means, uh, they're not building the thing to power their power tools. Um, there are certainly signs of power tools in the works of the builders. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I don't, those could have been water powered for all that matter. Um, there's a lot you can do with a lot of hydraulic pressure. <laughs> no. I mean, it drives turbines just as well as an electric motor does. So I can have anything that spins, I can drive it with water pressure just as easily as I can drive it with electric pressure. Bolt. It's what we do here in Niagara Falls. That's, uh, they just built a pipe that's turbines, like something yeah. like 60, 70 feet wide that sucks from, uh, right before the falls and siphons down through a whole bunch yeah. of alternators. 
Yep. Unfortunately, the site now looks more a lot like a desert. Um, it, we have to get our heads around that. I believe at the time it was constructed that water was abundant. Um, Stephen Myers had, had said something about that the pump is not that efficient, which is one way to look at it. But on the other hand, the abundance of the resource makes the inefficiency irrelevant. Um, it doesn't matter if you're surrounded by water all <laughs> over the place, however much you need to accomplish your goal. Now, one of the things that uh, and this is uh, it's Nick of Time in the YouTube chat. And he's, he, he uses the uh, it's N one is the I, which is quite clever, actually. Um, and I, I'm assuming he has a, a technical background because he used RX uh, to equal receiver. And I did not get that. <laughs> So thank you very much for clearing that up. He stated that uh, it could have been used for something more practical, perhaps uh, lights at night. But uh, then he also adds that uh, they wouldn't would not have been able to see, to see the stars, which I think is a very good point. Uh, if you know, there's a lot of in natural light. It, you know, I, I live in Ottawa. Um, we have light pollution out to about maybe 40 kilometers outside of the uh, city limits. That well, I know forty kilometers out, you can, you can pretty much see almost the full sky. You get within about let's say Manitic, which is kind of the southwestern part of the city limits. Uh, you still have light pollution, but you go let's say to Kempville, the light pollution's pretty well gone, or at least it used to be. I haven't been there in a while. Um, it, if if they use this for like, do you think they would have used this for lights, or it would would it have been more for practical purposes? No, I think actually when I approached the design. Um, my opinion is that they, they went to the trouble to solve a problem they could solve in no other easier way. Um, and a bunch of torches makes an easy way to make light. Um, you know, why are they going to go to the trouble to level the base? Why are they going to go tr to the trouble of aligning the thing to the cardinal points of the, of the, of the globe? Um, why are they going to go to the trouble to drag the granite all the way up from Aswan and haul it up in the air? Um, everything has to, every step that they took has to contribute towards the solution because if there was an easier way to do it they would have done it that way well that's also one of the the things that uh, when i when i spoke to Baval, he he brought up that okay well the things on basically a cliff or not really a cliff but it but it's on an escarpment that kind of leads right down into the nile and even today that would have been very difficult to be able to to build on so mm -hmm. if you know, if we're dealing with a culture that was very heavily centered around the astronomical I don't, you know, lights for internal, um, uh, you know, for internal caves where there no light can reach, I could see as a use that you're not going to get much much light pollution out of, the, out of that. When it comes to things like street lights, I don't see that as a possibility to a certain extent based on the fact that it would detrimentally affect their ability to conduct their astronomical, um, uh, you know, calculations or observations. So... If the power tool theory is a possibility, and I know that, like, I've seen Brian Forrester's videos on, on YouTube for a long time, and Danny, you were actually at uh, the Giza. Did you check out the boreholes in a lot of the constructions around the Great Pyramid? And what did you think about those? Uh, they looked smooth and round, and uh, as, uh, I, the, the only thing I don't get with the drill holes is the helical groove um in the drill holes that uh we can't seem to replicate that nowadays it's it's as if they plunge through the granite and an eighth of an inch per revolution uh if you tried to do that though it would just break the bit and the granite um 
it looks like maybe it was either a really slow process that somehow etched that pattern after or heat and high frequency was at play. Um, we use hammer drills to pound, uh, get through granite. No problem. Nowadays we use diamond bits too. Um, that, that just, it's weird. It's definitely strange. Um, could it be done by hand? I think so. I, I but it, you know, we haven't replicated that way yet. An eighth of an inch. Um, you, th you think that could be done by hand? No, no. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it, it appears. It appears they went through the granite an eighth of an inch per revolution. The uh, will, uh, will um, the, uh, the core sample that Dunn looked at. He spiraled a piece of string around it, and it was perfectly helical. <laughs> you can't deny it. Uh, that's very yeah, strange. It's going like a centimeter every four revolutions. I mean, it's it's nuts. Unreal. Now, what is the Oh, my goodness, I completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm checking Facebook notifications <laughs> as I'm trying to ask a question. Um, if if they're if they were to build the the Khafre and Khufu pyramid as or even just the Khufu, let's let's leave Khafre out of it. If it's just the Khufu pyramid that is supposed to be a power generator, and I know that um, you know some people will say that the the subterranean chamber is supposed to be designed as a bulse generator. You know, the, at the end of the day, it's semantics. A lot of people are saying it generated electricity. Okay, so if it generated electricity, did they use the electricity from the Khufu Pyramid to bore the holes, or did they have something to uh, generate the, that electricity beforehand to bore the holes to build and or to cut the stones for Khufu's Pyramid? Like, it's it's kind of a chicken-and-the-egg uh, uh, question. Uh, well, maybe, maybe the smallest theory Why think they need there. electricity at all? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I can actually agree with that. <laughs> Okay. Well, that... I I think sorry. I think a a, a, um, a changing magnetic field could give everybody light bulbs. You could have maybe had um, not necessarily a light bulb like we have now, but you could have had the the, the uh, an incandescent material. Um, you know, there's so much buried in Egypt that uh, they 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 haven't scratched the surface yet. It's like it's like the oceans. We've discovered five percent of Egypt. Um, maybe. Now, one <laughs> one thing I'm going to bring up here on on the. Uh... In the Cameron, uh, I'm starting to realize that uh, I don't have the image to its full uh, width here, so uh, you're still going to see my arms flailing around if, if you're watching on YouTube uh, in the corners. Uh, let's just see here. So this is the Dendera light. Uh, the Dendera light, now, some people will say that, okay, well, this is supposed to be able to represent a lotus, or, uh, you know, it's supposed to represent insemination of some kind. It, it, for anybody who lives in, in the, the, you know, the Western world or any place that has electronic lights that very clearly looks like some type of electronic light now most of these chambers do not have any type of scorch marks on the ceilings which means there were no torches so how the hell did they carve this in pitch black without causing any noticeable indications that there was open flame in these chambers that's kind of a big question. Now, this may be related to the pyramid or not. I'm I'm just saying, like, if, if we're talking about electricity generation, that's kind of a big this question. This looks like, yeah, this is Dendera, right? Yeah, Dendera. Yeah. So, and I, I'm realizing that I actually set the, the, the YouTube stream for low latency so that we can, hopefully, it's not going to take 30 seconds to switch over, but apparently it still is. The modern, you know, the technology only goes so far. Um that that's kind of the big question is you know if if we're talking about electri electricity generation it had to have been for a purpose but still there there's the idea of the Baghdad battery and if you can you can 
you know, if anybody's built <laughs> a a battery out of like a lemon uh, for a high school project and like powered a clock off of it, if you, you know can... what I heard about the Baghdad battery, what was that? Uh, that somebody had speculated that the reason they were using it was for electroplating coins. They were actually counterfeiting currency. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a possibility. It's a possibility that that is one of the uses. <laughs> There's a motive there. What was it again? Copper to silver, silver to gold, or something like that, or well, something, something like that, or, or lead into gold. Uh, yeah, you know, if, if we're talking the alchemist side, if I'm not mistaken, there, there's ways to be able to transmit it. Again, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not an alchemist. I, I'm a symbolist. I'm, I'm a, a, a philosophical interpreter. I'm not more of the, you know, I, I'm a mental alchemist, not a, not a actual physical alchemist. My, my philosopher's stone is up here in the mind. So, um, and that, that's kind of as far as I'm going to go with that tonight. But still. If we're looking at electricity generation, I know that for Doug, his big thing has been it is a radar generator. So going from your, uh, Danny, from your theory to Doug's theory, how does that connect? And, you know, from, from those connections, from, from that correlation, we're, we're going to lead off into, into Doug's to be able to talk about the bigger picture. Okay, well, well Tesla discovered radio. Um that was proven after he died. Marconi was, uh, he had the patent put in Tessa's name then. And they, um, uh, just that, um, it would, in my opinion, it's like the Doug's, um, concept is like the top portion of Tesla pyramids. It, it's the radio aspect of it. Um, and I think the, if the pyramid made power that, uh, it took the path of least resistance, which was down in the ground. Uh, air is a, not the greatest conductor. Ground's a lot better. And uh, the whole him talking about a sphere and the resonance of a sphere um, being utilized is uh, it just to me it just that that pattern presents itself that the pyramids are connected to ground that uh, if they rang the ground would work like an amplifier. Um, that's pretty much it. I think Doug's is the radio aspect of Tesla pyramids. I think he's he, he worked out all the math for it. It, yeah, and that again, that math would have been, and I'm I'm just going to show the the ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen at home, uh, who, and I'm just going yeah. <laughs> to, oh man, you make me want to go back to school to learn this stuff, and uh, I, I I'm going to be very frank with you, gentlemen. I, I was actually very good at algebra and calculus. Unfortunately, algebra, I was more concerned with ordering pizza to class and reading the newspaper uh, than doing my homework, <clears throat> but I was very good at it. And when it comes to parametric equations, I was, you know, even with chemistry, um, you know, I was very good at it. Just was really shitty at doing homework. This stuff still kind of makes my mind kind of bend. And that book is essentially the entire rationale behind the research which Doug is about to go into. So again, that, that cycles of the pyramids. You can check it out on Amazon, or you can go to BigSkyMap.com. The link is in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, yeah, the so, system is broken down by subsystem, and then each of those chapters identifies the relevant equations. If you don't own, um, what is it called here? Cycle of the Pyramids. It's it's the first uh, technical guide to uh, the Great Pyramid. I think everybody should own a copy of this if you're into uh, the pyramid doing any, uh, you know, non-tomb theory. No, frankly, uh, you can also. The hypertext is also online at bigskymap.com backslash cycles. Yes. Now, Just print it. <laughs> the, the next question before we get into this, and I, I know that this is going to be kind of the crux of the entire thing. The, the, the box you sent me with those three books came with 
what I it, this little uh, uh, this widget. I'm going to call it a widget, and if. People can oh, see the Metron, this. yes. The, the Metron, and if for anybody can see this at home, I have to get better lighting in the studio. It is a uh, hexagon shape with a hole drilled in it, like this. So six sides, and you've got, it's sectioned off into four separate sections. Each one of these bumps you can see here, that's a one, that's a two, that's a three, that's a four. So just like you'd see on a four, you know, on, on a die. So you get the, the one dot, the two, the two dot, three dots, and a four. And when Doug, when I first got this, I opened it up and I messaged Doug. I'm like, Doug, what the fuck is this? <laughs> so Doug, please, and I know you explained it to me. So please, if you can, if you can uh, give the readers at home or the listeners at home and the, and the viewers at home a little bit of a description of what this is. That is a 3D printed subunit of the Egyptian, the builder cubit. The the builders used. A unit called the cubit, which is a little bit over half a meter, um, and that cubit is divided into seven smaller units called palms, one of which you are holding in your own. So, palms, um, so each of the palms is subdivided into four digits, which are enumerated there like so, a die. So basically, uh, a cubit would be about, th so it's one, two, three, so a cubit would be about this, l this long in total. <clears throat> the subunit of a cubit is a palm. Which is this? Mm -hmm. They call it a palm because it literally fits right in your palm. Okay. And the subunits, which is the four, one, two, three, four, these these subunits of the palm is again a. Those yeah, those are digits. Digits. So there's 28 digits in a cubit. Okay, so 28 digits. So it, it, let's let's try and put this in a layman's term. So let's say for meters, it would be 20. It it to be able to. To translate this into metric, so if cubits were meters and units were centimeters, there would be a 28 centimeters in a an Egyptian meter. Yes. Okay. Or there would be tw uh, 28 inches in a an Egyptian foot. Or, I, I forget, I, I can't even do uh, inches to yards, so don't even ask me. Um, yeah, roughly... <laughs> yeah, um, and it's funny because the, the units, the cubit and the meter are actually related mm -hmm. and you're going to like where the story goes because I thought that was something I had discovered independently when I wrote birthday pie. And it turns out that Schwaller de Lewitz, no less discovered that back and published it in the temple of man. Um, thank you, John Anthony West. I would not have gotten that book if it hadn't been for him. And here I am just going through it and boom, just like everything else, Schwaller just throws it off in a paragraph um, and doesn't really ever mention it again. Um, but it's there clear as day that the there's a very specific mathematical relationship between the meter, which effectively is a unit that relates to the Earth, um, and the cubit. And it's my belief now that the French did not so much invent the meter back in the late 1700s, but they actually kind of swiped it when Napoleon took his savants down there, that they found it, they recognized it, and um, I think up to that point they had a unit uh, called the second pendulum which was very 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 close to the meter um and uh, depends a lot on just the gravitational force of the earth um okay now th this so that goes back to that, that okay piece. So, so the builder so the builder cubit relates to the cycles of the pyramid book if i'm not mistaken or is that particular like the, the, that particular unit it now did, did you send them to me or is that actually included with the package uh I'm not sure I understand the question. That was something I printed off a whole bunch of those because okay. um, 
They're, uh, yeah, I actually run a piece of flexible wire through seven of them at a time, and now I've got a qubit that I can throw around anywhere. Uh, my thought was you could actually take that inside to measure things. You could move it around. It'd be flexible. You could actually measure stuff off in the dark because you could actually read the um, digit indicators off with your fingers. Um, but it was just to get familiar with it. This is a, a dry, old, dusty unit that nobody really uses anymore. And I wanted to 3D print it to bring it up, to get it into our consciousnesses. This is something that we have to get used to because this was a unit that they were thinking in. Um, not only are the outside dimensions of the Great Pyramid come out really nice, um, 440 by 280, mm -hmm. but the King's Chamber on the inside comes out really nice, 10 by 20. Um, so the qubit goes back uh, way, way. Isaac Newton was looking for it. Um, it's something that's been out there for a while. Um, we even have a couple qubit sticks that actually survive from antiquity. Okay, now for the uh, qubit itself, I, how, how does this relate? to your work specifically not necessarily to the construction of the pyramid because again we, we, we can go into the uh you know the the measurements till the cows come home um why did you decide to i think i might have already asked that like you, you've already answered this in terms of the semantics or at least the more aesthetic reasons how has this helped you with your research oh it's necessary to get into the heads of the builders um and this was the unit that they would have been using um, they would have thought in the qubit first and perhaps in the meter second. Um, something interesting, which they have this neat little mathematical trick that they work the constant of pi into their units such that they can effectively eliminate it just by switching units. Um, if you have, if you're measuring um, one thing, for example, the if I'm making a fence and I'm going to be putting a round piece around that, there's going to be a pi that's going to come into that. Okay. Uh, you just can't avoid it. It's in the math. And if all of a sudden I just switch my my system of units, all of a sudden I don't need to know what pi is. Uh, it just drops out automatically just by con converting from one set of units to another. So it's to, it's to make their lives a lot easier without having to deal with irrational numbers that they can't necessarily write all out or the computers exactly. can't deal with. Okay. Exactly. And when you think of like uh, the Apollo program, you know, going to the moon on slide rules, that sort of mathematical efficiency has value. Now, the second thing that you sent me, and I think it's the most adorable thing, and unfortunately I did not clip off all of the, um, uh, the, the hairs on it. I know this is 3D printed, and it still impresses the hell out of me how you actually got this 3D printed. I have to get one of these. Um, it is a scale model of the Great Pyramid. <clears throat> I know, but the lighting's very bad in the studio. I do apologize. I'm going to get a better webcam. Don't worry, ladies and, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, now, this uh, pyramid has a series of grooves. Like, you've got, the <clears throat> you've got the axes here, which is supposed to represent the squaring of the circle or the, the, the sphering of the cube, as it were. Uh, but mm -hmm. there's also uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine dots up the side of each pyramid. I don't know if you can see this at home. There we go. That's better. So you can see those nine dots. Are those significant in any way? Probably not. It's probably actually an artifact of the model and the printing process. Um, I've got a much bigger one. Um, that one, I was... Yeah, there we go. Yeah, the, it's, uh, the nature of 3D printing is that when I get smaller to the slice height, then I'm going to get a lot of artifacts out of it. Okay. I owe you a better one, Chris. Sorry. 
<laughs> well, you, you know, I, 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 again, I, I just expected you like, oh, I'm sending you something. Okay, like I, I just kind of shrugged it off and like, okay, you're like, you know, you're gonna send me a, a paper or something that I'd be able to research for the show and, and go through, and then all of a sudden I get this this UPS box or this uh, USPS box that th- I get handed from Canada Post going, here you are, sir, signed for this. I'm like, well, what the hell? Like, oh shit, this is from <laughs> Doug. And I pull it out. It's like there's a unit of measurement in here in a scale model of the pyramid. I got kind of got, got a little bit scared from that, knowing the type of interview this could possibly go as far as technicalities. So I, I do apologize if um, we are... Uh, I, knowing you're an engineer, I, I know tons of engineers, trust me. Oh, I hope they help. I hope, I mean, I sent them to you because it's hard to describe. And how much time would I have spent trying to describe that palm to you? Mm-hmm. Whereas now you've just actually <clears throat> holding it and you showed it to everybody. And now we know exactly what it is. Let's see if I can actually show this <laughs> once it actually gets, so see that there's the palm and it looks like four sides of a dice. Yes, they are bumps on there. Now, how did you get the shape for this model exactly? Um, it was, how did I get that? It's just a hexagon that I've extruded and then just put the bumps on there high enough that you can, you know, for tactile feedback. Okay. So this isn't something that you got out of a book. It's actually, oh, no. no, So you just basically said, okay, like this is the unit of measurement. I'm going to make it a hexagon and put some bumps on it. And there you go. I need one of those. The idea of course was to make a 3d printed cubit. I wasn't, the palm was just a way to get to the cubit. Um, and, uh, there's a picture on the web, the big sky map, uh, Facebook page that actually shows the cubit. And I, the model was really, really close. It was like almost about a millimeter off over the distance of 52 centimeters or so. So it was, it was close enough that I couldn't improve any one of the seven palms and make it come out any better, at least without a lot of work. So, you know, what's really scary. Uh, the, uh, I just measured this. Now, uh, one cubit is four palms, correct? One cubit is seven palms. Seven palms. Okay, so four palms is the length of my arm from here to right there. So if, you, if you're looking at the, the length, like if on your arm are the ridges, like all of the creases. So from this crease at the top of the, or from the top of my uh, forearm all the way to the crease at my elbow the, like the, on the long side, that's four, that's four palms. And I'm assuming yeah. that if I go this way, it's one, two, holy shit. My arm length from here to here is exactly one cubit. That just blows my mind. My mom told me to yeah, not and, swear in the this... show unless I actually found something cool. Like, that's actually pretty cool. Um, and the, the cubit and the palm, these numbers pop up all over the place. Have you seen the trilobed disc in the Cairo Museum? This uh, mm-hmm. funny, really thin-walled disc? It's a flywheel, yes. Um, uh, that is that is uh, eight eight palms in diameter four palms in radius um as soon as you start by the descending passage in the king's chamber and the excuse me great pyramid mm-hmm. is 16 palms high by 14 palms wide um uh, it, it, this it's the unit is ubiquitous it's all over the place this this was the primary unit that they were using okay and the the primary unit and I, i've listened to a lot of randall carlson like i'm and again i'm gonna give a big shout out to to cameron for for uh you know introducing oh, yeah. me to, to him because I, I listen to Randall Carlson stuff for like that's him uh, listening to him on Grimerica is the reason I put the show together. That's that's why th- that's why we are on the air was because of Randall Carlson. Uh, so the idea that the ancient Egyptians derived the cubit from how the body was actually shaped in terms of proportions on averages. Uh, that kind of blows my mind. Like I, I could use this palm to literally measure at least from what I could see any part of my like any part of my body in relation to the other. 
and it would come out based on this, you know, the, the, this unit. So how, how does this relate to the pyramid? And this is, this is the big question, how we're going to start getting back into the technical side of things. How does, the, how does this little doohead, this doodad, this, this widget, as we call in advertising, how does this relate to the pyramid being a uh, radar a transmitter? And and uh, I, I know that. Yeah, well, uh, how do uh, you want to start with that? Let's let's start from the beginning. But you know, let, yeah, let, those let's... they really occupy two different corners in my head. Um, the qubit was just a means to an end. I wanted to be able to visualize the thing because I know it is throughout the pyramid. Um, but I certainly do most of my mathematical thinking in metrics. I think in the back of cycles, I actually do show some of the values in the builder units where convenient. But um, Units are units. You can analyze a system using any units that are convenient. This just makes it occasionally convenient to switch from one set to another because I don't have to carry pi around. So anytime make, I'm making a transition from a linear measurement to a circular measurement, it, it just falls out naturally. Okay, now, uh, sorry, continue. So that's where you think it still has use, like even in, in modern day. Uh, you mentioned that to me once, Doug. Oh, the qubit? Yeah. Um, well, if we're making pizza, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> here's a real quick way to look at it. Um, if I'm if I make a pizza, and you might you guys up there might be able to hunt around a little bit, but you can probably find somebody that can make a meter wide pizza. Um, if you have a pizza that is a meter wide, uh, and you're going to take five of your buddies, so you're going to have six pieces. You're going to need six pieces. That that pizza that's a meter across has to be divided into six even pieces. The arc of crust on any one of those six pieces is one cubit long. <laughs> that is the whole circumference of a one meter diameter circle is six cubit. Holy shit. That's a, it's effectively a mathematical identity. Okay. So, and to me, I did, and it's like you're asking the cubic question. I'm, I actually commissioned a guy to make me a pizza that big because I actually wanted to see it. And I sent him a 3D printed cubit, which he then wrapped around the arc of tasty crust. And sure enough, it lines up just perfect. How big was the pizza? It was an, uh, uh, one meter across. Yeah. So that's <laughs> actually that... I had to find a we Of course, we're we're imperial system here. So I had to find a guy that made 40 inch pizzas. He, he actually makes the pans himself in North Carolina. And I commissioned him to just go ahead and make one and just shave it off just a little bit. So it's actually a meter and not 40 inches across. Oh, man. He must have. <laughs> and how long ago was this? Oh, heavens, I don't know. It's about a year ago. So I don't know. The pictures are on the on the Facebook page. Okay. Now, getting back to the, the crux of or crust of the issue, I'm trying to make a somewhat of a bad pun here. If... And now I'm hungry for pizza. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Why would the ancient Egyptians have created a giant radar dish? Like, again, That's a good question. You had mentioned that it came to finding out how big the solar system is. Yes. Please. Uh, straight in- oh, please short, answer to the qu- short answer to the question Thank is you. they're measuring the astronomical unit. The astronomical unit is the average distance from the sun to the earth. Um, you use this as a physical constant, so then then we can scale all the other planets according to them. Um, Venus is about 0.7. Uh, 
Mercury is roughly about 0.4. It wobbles in and out. Mars is roughly about one and a half, um, and so on and so forth. Um, let's pretend that we are all astronomers and we all have our telescopes and we're all going to try to figure out exactly in the sky where Venus is. Mm -hmm. um, so we're each going to have our logbooks and we're going to keep track of it and we're going to make measurements. Um, and when we all get together at the astronomers conference, we're going to find out that none of our, our measurements agree with each other. This is historical. They just didn't. Um, there was an enormous um, amount of error um, when you're making this observation visually. It's just the trouble with it. It's not that our eyes are terrible, but it's just that these things are really far away and you're not getting a lot of light off of them. And you can only measure so well with the human eye. Now, let's switch to radar. If I'm using a radar signal, I know exactly how long the wavelength is. Uh, the measurement is very repeatable. And the answer I'm going to get back is going to be a couple order of magnitudes better in resolution than what I can accomplish with um, my eyeballs. Mm -hmm. This historically is what we did in the 1950s. After World War II, when radar rose up and it was a top secret military weapon, they built all this stuff really quick. They needed all this radar gear. And they the war ended. They had all this stuff still in the boxes, brand new radar equipment, and they would put it on aircraft carriers down in Australia and just literally push it off into the water. Um, and a whole bunch of Austra uh, Australian astronomers went over there and, you know, hey, mate, why don't you go down and get a Foster's and, you know, we'll push this into the drink for you. And we, what they did is actually just took the stuff. And so now they've got this state-of-the-art radar, radar gear. What can we do with it? Let's start bouncing it off the moon. Let's start bouncing it off the nearby <laughs> rocky planets. Um, first off, it was just to see if we can do it. Um, and there's a great story with a researcher named Zoltan Bay, who was trying to get the first radar signals off the moon ahead of the United States Army. And he would have done it, except the Nazis kept coming in and blowing up his lab. Every time he'd get his apparatus all set up and ready to go, boom, something would happen and he'd have to relocate. And he did this like two or three times. And lost all this time. So the U.S. Army actually, I think, gets the credit for knocking the first thing off the radar signal off the moon. Um, then fast forward another 10 years or so, and the technology has improved to the point um, where they're now sending off of Venus. Uh, Venus um, represents some real problems because it's covered with clouds, as we know. Uh, our eyeballs are not going to go through that, whereas a radar signal doesn't have any trouble. It'll go right on through and come right on back out. Um, I can, if I can tell you exactly where Venus is, or more or less, uh, exactly where Venus is and how fast it's moving, which is something your eyeballs can tell you how far, you know, roughly where it is in the sky, but it can't tell you how fast it's moving. But if I can measure the Doppler shift off of a radar signal coming back, now I can. And if I can tell you where it is and how fast it's going, then I know where in its orbit it is. And boom, all of a sudden I can improve the resolution in the astronomical unit from say, on the order of 1,000 to 10,000 kilometers to 10 to 100 kilometers. Um, the, and I can do it any time. I can do it over and over again. And as I keep doing the measurement, I'm going to keep resolving my, my figure. Um, the, the builders seem to have a fetish for measure. They, everything was very precise, particularly when you look at the Great Pyramid, which, if I'm not mistaken, remains the most accurately aligned building on the planet, even today. Um, you know, it was really important to them that this thing be exactly there, exactly in that point. Why? Um, and my answer to that is because it was a reference system. That was basically the zero point, not only for a terrestrial reference system, but also for a radar signal. 
So if I'm going to figure the time of flight for the signal to go out and then come back, I need to know exactly where the signal started from. And that's why I like it that Danny's idea that these two are, are resonating. The, the receiver pyramid in the middle is actually somewhat attuned to the transmitter because it's vibrating at some low frequencies that the transmitter is putting out. Um, uh, okay. That makes sense to me. So the, basically it was, it was a giant uh, radio ast- astronomical system that they were building. Yeah. Now, yes. what uh, about the theory that's... With the purpose of improving their knowledge of the solar system. <clears throat> Sorry, actually, I got to cut in. Um, before you go on, I think I can anticipate this question. Uh, or, uh, Doug here, he's amalgamated um, so many different pyramid concepts that uh, he's now he's, he's, he's showing how it's a radio telescope, it's tracking the stars, it's also somewhat, you know, power plant, he's incorporating Chris Dunn's theory, John Cadman's theory, um, that's where, that's where I think this is truly awesome. And he's really set a precedent for everyone to follow, um, that's getting into this stuff. Um, well, thank you, Danny. Thing. And I'd also like to throw in there that, uh, you know, talk to Randall Carlson, ask him if the great pyramid is a model of the earth. This is not a secret. People have known this for a long time. No, it's pretty so much a foregone whole... conclusion about that. Like that, that's yeah, not so even the, in question. The whole, yeah. So the whole point of big sky map is. Well, hey, uh, if it's a model of the Earth, then what about the other ones? How far exactly does that model go? Um, and when you start to look at it as an orrery, that the, the basically you have two scales. A map has one scale. You know, you're looking at a map and you've got to figure out where you're going from here to there. It's going to have one scale on that. But an orrery that is a model of our solar system must have two scales because effectively the sun is the only thing in our solar system. It's all the mass. Um, Everything else is tiny compared to it. it. Doesn't even show up. So you have to, basically, you have to have one scale that tells you where everything is, how far apart, um, and then you have another scale which relates the sizes of all the objects to each other, um, and that's what we see here. And the scale factor for the objects, for the Earth pyramid, the Great Pyramid, for the Venus pyramid, for the Middle pyramid, is the standard forty-three two hundred, which people have known for quite a while. Half the number of seconds in a day, the exact number of cycles in a day. If the transmitter is working twenty-four hours a day, it's going to crank out forty-three thousand two hundred of those of the steps, which makes it real easy. If you're trying to figure out, okay, I need forty thousand cycles to accomplish so much energy buildup, how long does that take? Oh, gee, that's about the better part of a day. Um, now, you know, it's okay. another one of those really neat mathematical tricks that, that pop into the system. Holy shit. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The, I was about to swear again just to be able to just to be able to cut in here. You'd mentioned that the uh, the, the middle pit, uh, Confrey's pyramid was the Venus pyramid, which would make the uh, pyramid of, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, the pyramid of uh, Menkare, the Mars pyramid or the Mercury pyramid. Correct. Now, has uh, anybody checked whether, because Earth and Venus are very, very similar in size. Uh, Khafre and uh, Khufu are very similar in size. Khafre is a little bit smaller. Venus is a little bit smaller. Yep. Has anybody checked? 300,000 cubic meters. Yeah, very specifically think about the volume too because the encoding is done in terms of volume. Now, has anybody checked the encoding in terms of volume, you know, with relation to... Several to, times. Okay. With, <laughs> How many times? With relation to the other two planets. Yes. And what was the outcome of that? Uh, the... Okay, traditionally, uh, you know, and you're familiar then that the of uh, the accuracy of the Earth model, right? That it's really, really close. Yes. Um, the Venus model is okay. We typically think that the radius of Venus is um, 
it's about six thousand sixty. Yeah, what is that? Six thousand kilometers, six million meters. That's right, about six oh five one. Um, and apparently, from what I can see, they were guessing it was somewhere around six oh four sixty one forty. Okay. I've actually got it here and digging my notes here. Um, point. Okay, here we go. Uh, 60, 60, excuse me. Our current guess, the, at the height of the space age, that mm-hmm. is, we have satellites in orbit that are mapping it with radar resolution, mm-hmm. um, is 6,052 6, plus or minus one kilometer. Okay. The estimate of the builders was 6,060 plus or minus 140 kilometers. Which is not too bad. So the resolution yeah. wasn't that good, and it is, you know, the difference between eight kilometers um, over the, you know, it's less than a percent. So again, to be able to confirm, uh, because I, I can get a little lost in all these numbers, that was for Coffrey's mm-hmm. Pyramid versus Venus. Yeah, that's the middle, the Venus Pyramid, yes. Okay, what about for the, and again, no one knows the name of the third pyramid, yeah. so I do apologize. Yeah, the Minkari, the, Minkari, the Minkari Pyramid <clears throat> is interesting. Uh, it's the one that doesn't seem to look as finished as the other ones. Uh, it it wasn't finished. Yeah, um, so it's hard to say. It lines up to somewhere between 84 and 89 percent. Um, it's not as accurate as the Venus Pyramid, but on the other hand, I don't think it was actually serving a a functional role as much as the functional role as the receiver did. I think it had a local purpose, something, you know, either who, who knows, but <laughs> okay, I, I have some. Some ideas, but there's speculation at this point, so I don't really want to go into them. But um, the map between Earth is almost exact. The map between Venus is almost exact. The map with Mars is awful darn close. Oh, here's the thing is that we all know that Mars is missing a shit ton of mass. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there is a uh, and I'm, I'm just going to bring this information up here. Uh, Mars divide. I'm going to throw this up on. Uh, geological history of Mars, blah 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 blah. Okay, so I, 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 you know, I should be able to bring this up in a lot. If I had an intern who could actually research this stuff for me, that'd be fantastic. So Mars essentially has the top half of it missing. There is a massive amount of just rock that was blown off the top of this thing. Um, if it's about eighty-four percent. Do you think there's a possibility that this catastrophe that had happened on Mars, and this is something that geologically had been found uh, to have happened within, like, again, off the top of my head, I'm going to be wrong on the numbers, but it's within the last couple of million years. If they're looking at the shape and they they maybe have gotten wrong on the mass or wrong on the overall volume, and Mars is farther away than Venus is, do you think that could have accounted for the the error or the error in, in the calculations? Yeah, it sure could. Um, for that matter, there is certainly some ambiguity uh, as to whether it's actually indicating the Minkari, that is, is whether it's indicating Mars or whether it's indicating Mercury or whether at different points in their orbits it may have been both. Um, there are some other researchers uh, who have also looked at the pyramid, um, the pyramid al- alignments, if you will. Um, they, we all... There's four or five of us that I that I list off my head um, are in agreement with the Earth and the Venus mappings. Um, there is the discrepancy comes with to where that third one goes. Um, I actually studied it from a mathematical analysis and took a look at where they would be over the course of their entire orbit, 
the mapping is accurate with Mars, no matter where it is. There's the concept of eccentricity in an orbit. It's They're not perfect circles. They're more like ellipses. So they sometimes are closer, sometimes they're a little bit farther away. Um, the Earth, by and large, the eccentricity is not that bad. Venus, the eccentricity is not that bad. Mercury, the eccentricity is terrible, and so is Mars. So they're both wobbling in and out. Um, so happens with the layout, which is right on the front of, of Cycles of the Pyramid there. Um, that lines up with Earth, Venus, Mars over the entire course of all their orbits. It's never not mathematically valid. Sorry, if to... I was to speculate that the third one was Mercury, there are significant portions of the or Mercury's orbit where the mathematical alignment is not accurate. Okay, so if this is the case, I'm showing the cycles of the pyramid to uh, cover my ugly face here on the camera. Um, Mankari pyramid is Mars, what you've got here in the front. You've got, this is the Earth pyramid. <clears throat> this is the Venus pyramid, and this is the Earth pyramid. And obviously there is a, uh, you know, there, there is a little bit of a difference. Like, th this is the outer orbit, but this is earlier in the orbit. So this is, uh, Venus is trying to catch up with, uh, you know, tr tr it's, it's like trying to be able to, to, figure, to shave in the mirror. Uh, you know, Venus is trying to be able to catch up with Earth in its orbit. Now, there is always the idea that, um, you know, we, we've talked about beforehand, or at least I, I know that uh, Spencer Cross talked about this with his, uh, his talk on episode, what was it, uh, 27? Uh, go go check it. It was fantastic, very very fantastic. Um, he had mentioned that the possibility of the pyramids being multi-use. So we we talked about the potential for monatomic gold versus when you guys were in chat and having a really good time while you were in chat. Thank you very much for that, by the way. Uh, and the possibility. <laughs> for... <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Oh yeah, well you know any any time you you have a good time in the show and anybody else has a good time in the show, I'm I'm having a good night. Um. But he mentioned that the possibility of multi-use. And I know Baval is stating that the, the Ryan correlation is, uh, you know, it's not disputed. There's also the possibility of the sickness correlation. And now we're looking well, at the possibility... Well, there are certainly people that dispute it. Well, there's uh, probably well, not any of us on the show tonight. Well, the the, the thing is that is there, is there a possibility that the people... Okay, if, if you're going to encode... Or, or, let, let's try and take a, a track back here. <clears throat> so these people possibly had rudimentary power tools. Potentially. They could have been doing it with, you know, very basic tools, and it could have taken 100 or 200 years to be able to build the pyramid. Oh, now, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm making generalities here. Again, as yeah. a layman, I'll, yeah, I'll try, try to make that Try to make that one centimeter in <clears throat> four, you know, revolutions, no matter how long you take. Um, if, it's, well, it, the fact is yeah, these there, people There's some odd effects which you just really can't explain with copper chisels and, no, and stone 100%. hammer balls. Well, exactly. Even though uh, when we had um, uh, uh, David Roll on, he said, well, there's a possibility that somebody who made one one stone or one uh, statue, he literally did that his entire life. Well, it's a possibility. But it's the fact is that the people who made the pyramids were freaking geniuses. True. They encoded so much into it. As a, whether it's a message to be able to send forward or whether it was just a matter of them being able to figure out how to do this using the observations from the worlds around them. <clears throat> now, it's a possibility that all three of these correlations are correct for Cygnus, for Orion, as well as for the solar system. For me, that speaks volumes to the ingenuity of our forebears. You know, I'm like the possibility of ancient aliens. We've talked about it here on the show. Sure. Read Ezekiel, people. It's it, it's a crazy book. It's either there was aliens or he was on a lot of fucking shrimps. 
Um, so the, the possibility that these people could have had some type of advanced technology or at least been able to figure out how to be able to build this advanced technology is a lot more and more likely as, as the days goes on from all the research and from all of the visitors and from all of the, the footage that we're getting out of Giza from, from everyone who visits. Uh, why would they have wanted to met, like spend a hundred and hundred or so years using a more general but specific metric? Why would they want to spend a hundred years to build a, a pyramid and maybe another hundred years to build another one so that they could measure the size of the solar system? That seems a little bit preposterous like it not really preposterous but seems a little bit fantastical to me considering that we will build electronics that we will start the tra- uh, the 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 construction process in you know mm-hmm. in one year and it'll be up in space within another 5 years okay why what purpose would it have been why would somebody be able to devote their lives and devote their entire kingdom's resources to build a machine that could send out signal to different parts of the solar system to find out how big it is what what's the purpose because if because if you don't know where something is, you can't hit it. And why would they have wanted to hit it? Because our planet gets hit by large space rocks <clears throat> all the time. And if I know where they are and they're far away, all it takes is a little tiny nudge applied once a day over the course of a couple of years, and I will push it from a dead center hit off into a near miss. And in space, a near miss is a good miss. So we're getting on to more of the actual functions of the thing. And this is a possibility. Would you, okay, the rocks is that's not subject to question. Just talk to Randall Carlson and Grant. Oh no, 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 God, yeah. And I have, <laughs> and if you spend any time on planet Earth, you start to see them falling. So I've no doubt them. the builders knew them as well. Now I'm gonna. So you know these rocks are falling just as we do. Mm-hmm. Um, here are your options as a society. You can have absolutely no chance of deflecting these bolides, or I can give you a chance at deflecting the bolides. <clears throat> Which would you take? I would, take, I, I would take deflecting the uh, bolides for uh, 1,000 uh, there, Doug. Yeah. Um, yeah, but in order to know where to hit them, you have to know exactly <clears throat> where they are because space is big. And having measurements of the solar system done to visual resolution is not sufficient. We sent probe after probe, went zipping right on past Venus. Um, back in the space age, before we had the radar-derived astronomical unit, zing, mariner, zing, right on past. Um, as soon as you get that number, you can actually, and they did, upload that information to the computer on its way there, and bam, locks right into tar- right into orbit. <clears throat> okay, so what would have been the... What would have nudged the rocks off course? Is the pyramids themselves, would they have been sending out... like? Oh, just budge them. All you have to do is just hit them with a little tiny boost. Okay, then then what would have been that... If boost? I'm not interested in the radar signal coming back, you know, if I'm if I'm triggering... If I'm sending a signal off of Venus, I'm doing it because I'm actually anticipating a signal back. It's going to be very small compared to the one that I sent out, but I'm waiting for it. If I don't need a signal back, then I'll just go ahead and up the gain and, you know, it's a transit radio telescope. Every time the Earth spins around on its axis, it, it comes to bear on the target again, whether the target is the moon or the Venus or whatever it happens to be aimed at. Um, and all I need to do is every time around when the Earth brings me to bear on whatever is coming at us is just give it a little push. Okay, but what would have been the... Okay, l- let me rephrase the question. Hmm? If we're talking about the pyramid as a uh, radar 
transmitter to be able to find the size of the pyramids or the size of the solar system uh, mm-hmm. with relation to the pyramids so that they can find out not only where the planets are, but where potential space rocks are. Even if you can give something a little nudge over a long period of time, what would have been used to give that nudge? Is it the pyramids or something else? Oh, the radio, the microwave signal, the radar signal itself, the, the burst <clears> of <throat> photons carry energy with them. Um, uh, this is similar on a much slower scale than, than a light sail. Um, this is not controversial physics. Uh, oh, not the all. idea is that it's going to be easier for us to just actually go out there, spray paint the side of an asteroid and let the sun's photons move it out of the way. But, you know, if I am a culture that's just very proficient in dealing with stone and water and sound, uh, perhaps this will be the solution that I'll use. So essentially what you're saying is that the pyramid, by imaging where these rocks were, these bolides were, with the pyramid acting the way that it was just, just turned on and doing its thing, it is, in essence, finding out where they are <clears throat> by receiving the signals back in Coffray. And again, we're going to get on to, to Coffray in a second, um, but just by sending these, well, these signals out there, even, even that signal would, would, mm-hmm. would help to protect the Earth based on like, kind of the same principles as one of those like, off- uh, mosquito repellent fans that just like sends out these pheromones. Is, is that kind of the, a similar uh, um, analogy or my way off the mark here? Uh, it's actually, a, you know, if you were saying like a fan or something that you were pushing the mosquitoes mm-hmm. away from you. Well, the same they're like, trying to get close to you. I, I, I've got a fan in my hand and I point it at them so that I'm pushing it so that they end up going flying right past me instead of right into me. Okay, so... Like well, th- th- that's kind of the idea. At least there's some type of like field that it like the 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 the, the uh, ra- X-rays or the uh, you know the, that signal sent it bounces off of those bolides and mm-hmm. even nudges it just like whether it's a, a, a you know a part of a centimeter, whether it's a, a millimeter or less. Uh, yeah. After a enough of a while, though you know those distances add up. Yeah, so yeah let's next... do that every day for 12 years. Okay, well, once the machine was turned on, the pyramid was turned on, it, was there a way to shut it off, or was it just like a, yes. a, a, a constant... Okay, well, that's the thing. Like, if You, you... could actually control the reaction. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to, in our science discussion in April, uh, if we get the chance, I'd love to talk with John Cadman about the exact positioning of the valves. Um, I know he has interesting ideas on it, um, and so do I, but I think it was actually under full control. They could actually adjust the reaction um uh they could fire the the, the signal off um with you know sub second resolution um it was it's very straight you know it's an incredible technology but they're just they're thinking about what they're doing they're thinking about the problem in a different way their their solution is valid it it will work it's certainly a way to do it we build our stuff out of metal because we're proficient in working with metal as a material they were proficient in working with stone. That's what they could shape. That's what they could build with. And so that's what they did. But the physics are the same either way. Um, okay, now for... for certainly the rocks are probably the same too. Now for Coffrey's Pyramid, like for me, I, <clears throat> and again, I, I've been focused on uh, my my efforts on the uh, Khufu Pyramid as most other people. How does Coffrey's Pyramid factor into this? How is the design different? How did it work as a receiver and what the hell was it doing there? Because no one talks about Oh, I haven't even persuaded you that the transmitter works, though. <clears throat> oh, really? 
We, oh, yeah. Once I, I, I haven't even told you. I mean, Danny's talked about his, but I haven't even told you how the microwave signal is generated or anything. And if I can't convince you that it can actually generate the output signal, there's no sense getting into the receiver. And that's the, whoa, the, whoa, the whoa, way whoa, to man. get around my next we book. Got... The receiver is actually my next book. <laughs> Well, you know, let, let's let's go. Well, let's go into your theory. And I, I know that um, uh, what's the best way to be able to put this? I'm up for anything. And especially with this show, it, it especially since new knowledge is so sexy and so entertaining. Um, I am open to the possibility that it was this type of device because you're making a very rational argument. Uh, and based on all the conversations that I've had over the last couple of months, it's it's plausible. Like it, I, I don't see any reason why, unless I'm actually there. So man, uh, go, go ahead and tell that, me how, you know, go, go ahead and tell me how it works. Can we get that technical drawing up? The one that I was showing you earlier, cause I want to be able to the 3d one. Uh, yes. The 3d one. Okay. With the, give me a second here. I just got to do do With the orthographic drawings. Okay. So the uh, display capture one image one. That is, it's going to, transition here okay so that is that image that's the dendera and i'm just going to change that out let's display two my mic's been muted for the last two minutes or two minutes 20 minutes <laughs> we've, been, we've been talking about you danny i've been saying things you guys didn't say anything <laughs> we actually said no so my mic was muted well we figured how oh, to uh, uh make like a philosopher's stone and we we're you know hoping it, hope, hoping to be able to get your opinion on that but uh, unfortunately uh, you know, you were you were not online. Uh, I was, sorry, I was going to ask Doug. Um, like, what do you think about just like uh, the pyramids as GPS or just communication devices around the globe? Like, oh, sure. Yeah, uh, one of the you know, if I hadn't gone into the um, astronomical unit, the, I'd love to go into them using it as actually a global communication system. You that, that's very use practical. the signal at a much lower level to bounce it off the moon. You use the moon as a communication satellite. Uh, you could signal literally around the world that way. Um, so long as the moon and the Earth's position is in the right place, um, and I have no idea what's on the far end of the signal. Maybe that's what obelisks are used for. I don't know. Um, but there's certainly sufficient power to bounce a signal off the moon and receive it um, somewhere else on the Earth. This was also done back in the in the 50s. They used to, I think, they would send out transmissions from Australia and pick it up in London and New York using the moon as a communication satellite. We've always got one built, you know. Built in. Uh, do we have the other drawing? Uh, what's the the the, the uh, flow drawing one that I gave you in the Skype? Uh, let's see. Okay. That, oh, that was the other one. Okay, uh, my mistake. Got to bring that up. Uh, oh, that one. Yes, yes, we do somewhere. Um, uh, Gotta let the cat in. I'll load that up while you're doing that. Uh, let's see. Let's display one video. Image one. If you'd like to be able to uh, audition for as an intern for the Den of Lore, please do send your resume into info at denoflore.com and help us manage our images. Local applications only, and there may be scotch. So we have this image on screen now. This is the technical drawing, uh, which is the hydroelectric multi-spectral multi transmitter diagram, which is not only... Uh, 2D, but also has a 3D diagram with it, and it is absolutely fantastic. Did you develop this yourself? Yes, I did. Is your cat? That is actually the 3D the 3D CAD model that I use to actually lay the systems out. Um, I just 
basically took screenshots from it from different directions and then composited those all into a larger tech drawing. Okay. Now, we, yeah, because this one's good because we can actually see the subsystems in this one. Okay. Now, let, let's let's start with the, the, the process and bring me through this. And I know that, that it is quite in-depth. You've got the legend at the bottom <clears throat> that says uh, you've got your color and legend. So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, black or dark, whatever that is, is earth, blue is water, yellow is air, yeah. red is fire, other red is light, uh, orange is yeah. signal... Um, and for the legend, blue is impulse, uh, green is regulator, other red is electrolysis positive, and other green is electrolysis negative. I'm going to try... Yeah, and yeah, I was so hoping... For... I, I, wanted, I wanted to get the anode cathode question from Alex. I really did. You can ask Danny. Isn't it true? What, yeah. you know, Where is Alex? To, he, yeah. Okay, he's supposed to ask be here. Ask me where the anode and the cathode are. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to... I, you know what? You know, let's... let's um, here's the thing. I have uh, no messages from him. You know what I'm going to do, guys? G give me a second. You, like, you want to play a joke on him? Like, you you want to, like, take a quick break? I'll call him right now. G give me a second. I'll see. <laughs> we figured out where the anode and the cathode are. He might be in dinner, but, uh, you know, we've done prank calls in the show before. So, yeah, we're on a roll. Um, <laughs> Good enough. The hydrogen is produced <laughs> and accumulated in the grand gallery. The oxygen is accumulated in the... Um, King's chamber, they're kept isolated until they're ignited, and then they're, the reaction combines. It drives the King's chamber into piezoelectric acoustic resonance. Um, that develops the an FM radio signal, which is then coupled into a microwave horn, which then feeds into a waveguide, which comes out the south side of the pyramid, um, unlike the soul of the pharaoh. Awesome. <sighs> Sorry, it's, Actually, getting, it's getting a little bit think, hot, and then I had to crack a window. Nice. So that is quite in-depth, and I'm going to be including all of these images, uh, the last uh, two or three in the show notes. Uh, normally, we just you know incorporate it as a PDF, but I'm actually going to have it in the show notes on denoflore.com when we release this episode on Sunday. Now, I know uh, Nick of Time has asked, uh, lower power requirements if you bounce off the atmosphere, better audio fidelity. Is there any ver veracity to that? If you're, oh, using, sure. the, if you're yeah. using the moon as a, as a communication satellite. Um, well, it's, it's got to get through the atmosphere if you're going to hit the moon with it. But if you wanted to do it as just a FM radio, for example, if I mean, it's got a 41 megahertz transmitter built into it. Um, you could probably use that at sufficient strength just to, I mean, that frequency goes pretty far. Okay. And it, it's kind of like a short wave. You can get communications from halfway across the planet if it's nighttime. But, yeah. you know, if, if the sun's up. Like, yeah, conditions vary, sure. Well, um, here, here's the interesting part. Now, it's, and I'll prove this. For uh, There is a cottage that my wife and I go to with the family uh, every summer. It's called Christie Lake. It's uh, about an hour and a half southwest of Ottawa uh, in Perth. Beautiful place. Like, great during the summertime. It's nonstop drinking. You know, like, you... you you have fun. It's cottage time. So there are certain parts of the self, like certain parts of this uh, cottage area. There's a hill where our cottage is and then kind of like a sloping hill down towards the rest of the cottages. And you, you can't get cell signal uh, down the hill. The cell, uh, the cell tower is that far, especially when the sun is uh, that, you know, that powerful during August. And, and July in Ottawa is very humid. In August, it is very hot very dry heat and that's because the sun, the, like the sun's stronger in august than it is in july here uh, 
during nighttime, though, you can get cell signal pretty much anywhere. So the sun's going to interfere quite a lot in any type of radio transmission. And it's the same thing when you're dealing with, uh, you know, shortwave or with FM or AM. Nighttime, because the sun is on the other side of the planet, it's going to block a lot of that solar radiation. So the moon's going to be up in the sky, and the moon is visible for certain parts of the day, and it's going to be, you know, uh, at a certain height, but for, for the most part, if you're using an omnidirectional massive antenna or to, to, to send that signal out, you could bounce, theoretically bounce it off the moon and it can be received, you know, on, uh, on a different part of the planet where there's line of sight. Yes. So it's already been done. It, well, it, of course it has, you know, it's, it's part of how we, you know, during, uh, um, you know, when, when I was a, a youngster, as it were, my parents were getting a shortwave transmission, uh, from Croatia, which was, being broadcast overnight. Um, what would have been the purpose of using it for that purpose? Like, do you see any type of radio transmitter uh, use during this age? Oh, heck, uh, I thought Danny's idea of a GPS system was really nice. Um, you know, the What's whole idea? idea of trying to compute um, your, you know, it goes back to the sailing days when they were trying to, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to figure out your longitude, but not so easy to figure out your latitude wait a minute, i got that backwards it's easier to figure latitude but not your longitude how far east or west you are um you need to develop a reference clock in order to do that and some guy won some money prize for coming up with a an accurate clock so you could yeah, you set your clock it. along with the reference <laughs> clock in london and then it head off into the ocean and then you're every day at noon you can tell where you are because you know your clock is still right um so if you had something that was regularly delivering radio bursts into the atmosphere know pick pick something once a day once an hour or once every two seconds i don't know pick something um that's a reference and if you're anywhere else on the planet and you know when those references are coming uh you can use it the same way that the mariners used to holy oh my god sorry i'm having another holy shit moment so i'll say holy shit again (laughs) well i'm doing it for my mom because she said like don't swear so much on the show i'm like that's that's where we're making our name come on i can swear okay not the rule. Um, so I'm just like, I'm just going to drink a lot of scotch. I'll be fine. Uh, the notion of longitudes. And if you've ever read a Graham Hancock book and shout out to Graham, I know you're working hard in your next one. Um, you need to be <laughs> for a lot of the, the maps that were uh, used to create the Perry Reese map to be able to get that type of accuracy. You need longitudes. So the idea of a GPS system, quote unquote, of sorts or some type of, um, you know, so some type of reference. Like even if it's a boop, boop, once an hour, once once a second, mm-hmm. or you know, some type of constant. Every day at noon. Time, yeah, yeah, every sure. day of noon. Like you know, like if, like if if the signal's being sent out to the moon, you know, you just like you strike the pyramid with like a hammer, and it just like sends this wall sound out once an hour. When you hear that sound, you're fine. Um, you you could create the longitudes from that, and this could have been created as early as 2400 BC, 2600 BC, or as late as, you know, or as late as 10,000 BC. Yeah. It's not so, sooner. Sure. So that, that is a different, uh, different aspect of, of something that's kind of bugged me to like, how the hell could they have gotten those longitudes? And I know well, that, there's an answer for you. <laughs> well, I, well, exactly. Cause even Graham Hancock has stated that the technology that could have been around pre, uh, you know, like, uh, during Zip Tepe the first time, as he likes to be able to say, I can't do the accent, uh, or during the time of Atlantis, 
or that 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 an ocean civilization that mapped the entire known world during when uh, you know ten thousand years ago before the, you know, the a comet slammed into the North American ice sheet. That would have been a perfect way to be able to do it. How you know without creating a mechanical you can create a mechanical small clock, but why not have as have it as a transmitter? But then you go back to the idea of why the hell would you have spent 120 years building it? Or 100 years building it? Oh. Well, that uh, that has value to the society, though. And if you are, you know, we're an impatient culture. Oh, come on. You know, <laughs> always checking our emails. Uh, you know, we're, we're caught up with activity. Um, you know, you're, I like that idea you were given earlier about no light pollution. You know, the the builders, once this is a subjective, uh, my opinion only, um, I think we're just very patient people. Uh, I don't think they, just because we're excited and always in a hurry, I don't think that means they were. Um, and if something takes 100 or 200 years, let it. Um, I don't think they really thought on that time frame. Um, another note, too, or like uh, not just light pollution, but if you didn't have like a, the current grid noise or just the current noise in general, like when the power goes out, everything is so quiet. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think it, it, the ancients must have heard the sounds of the everything. earth. A uh, granite mountain would be like a massive speaker. And, you know, and like they could have <laughs> potentially heard the earth rumble, you know, the lightning strikes very clearly and uh, maybe realize that a you know, resonant cavity could have been utilized. You, you know, uh, I used to throw like raves way back in the day. And we, we used to have uh, uh, this group of kids called, well, at every single rave. And if you've ever been to a rave, for anybody who's listening, at any point during the late 90s or early 2000s, you're always going to have your speaker fuckers who, though they're those kids who are high, high off their goddamn rockers, who are going <laughs> to go near the 30,000 watt speaker stacks for whatever reason and just stand next to it and just feel the sound. Now, it's also because they're on MDMA and their entire, uh, you know, th their entire nervous system is racked up to like 11. So, yeah, they could feel the yes. sound. They could see the music. And for them, it's like the, the, the most blissful thing you'll ever, you'll ever see. I'm not saying that's like to the extent of the Egyptians. But again, if you get a speaker that is 42 stories tall, that is going to be pretty goddamned euphoric when it's turned on. Now, how would they have turned it off? That's a good question. Easiest way, shut the water off. Close the main yeah. gate in the moat. Just stop the water going into it. Okay. Now it's going to have to cool off it's, if it's been running from that point. But as soon as you cut the water going down into the, um, you know, the, the water falling down the descending passage, it just it doesn't work anymore. You could also block it up. Um, John Cadman suggests that the control valve was probably located at the Sphinx, and I agree with him on that. Um, so if you could block off the water from exiting um, on the other end, um, oh, and I did want to, Danny, can you throw in your little, uh, the natives bouldering up the um, subterranean chamber story? Oh, yeah. So the indigenous um, local teaching there, and this is right from Yousef, is that the uh, subterranean pit was rumbling and making loud noises. And locals, however many years ago, long, long time ago, obviously after Al-Mamun entered the pyramid, they filled it in. Mm -hmm. To stop the to to stop, you know that they were scared of a demon coming out, and so, well, uh, that's why that's that why been? it's filled in right now. Well, what I'm date? Not what sure. that I can't been? remember. The, 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 the moon was in the early 1800s. Okay, so okay, 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 okay. 
Yeah. Um, 1800s? No, it was like 600 AD or oh, something 800, like that. 800 AD, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, this makes a little more sense now. So, one question I've been asked by a couple of people, and I'm going to bring this up from the Den of Lore Facebook page. Check it out, facebook.com forward slash Den of Lore. Um, I actually got a good question from a listener. And I'm going to try and bring this up here as a message. Uh, do I actually have my no- notifications? Sorry, I'm one of those guys who will I'll actually say exactly what I'm doing, and this is probably from the many days that I worked at Bell where they're like, you have to be able to describe to the clients what you're saying because it gives them more trust. And I'm like, motherfuckers, you're stealing money from them, and you're probably going to lay me off in like two months and you want to talk about trust? Trust okay. us. Trust, trust us. us. Trust us. I'm like, I don't trust anybody who outsources jobs over like oh god i'm not even gonna get into that that's paul that's more the politics side in the business but the worst part is is that the internet that's actually most reliable for this show is bell <laughs> come on <laughs> oh god i feel so dirty i swear to god uh let's see here so it's uh this message it's saturday it's no tuesday tuesday so uh let's see here this was actually quite uh it's march 11th Messages. Messages. Oh, there we go. The idea of the pyramid was actually brought to me by um, Stephen King, who wrote me on Facebook. And uh, we asked a bunch of questions back and forth, and and in all honesty, some of them I thought were actually pretty good. I just didn't have the answer for them at the time. But he had asked, what would be easier to be able to rebuild it or to repair it? And if you were going to repair it, how would you do it? Ooh, ooh. Oh, uh, gotta figure it would be easier. Oh man, yeah, um, repair that's a good one. it. I'll go with repair it. Okay. I'll go with repair it. Um, Unless you, we used concrete to build it, then it would we could do it very quickly. Geopolymers still have to account for the settling. Of the the you know it takes time for concrete to to cool to solidify. Yeah, um, say it's still five years. solidifying in. Hoover Dam, right? They had to run cold water through it to get it to cool off. And they, yeah, so, they even tried to stop that. That's right, building in big blocks. That's right. Okay. Yeah, whereas if you're just carving them. But yeah, given that in order to rebuild it, you would have to take everything off that's already there. And there's so much that's built into the base, for that matter. Danny and I were just talking about it, that the base itself is a construction marvel. I mean, ignoring the pyramid yeah. altogether. Um, well, the, interfacing the... with bedrock is a layer of limestone that interfaces with a layer of basalt. And then they put the pyramid on top of that. And these stones that are in the underlayers are cut with eight sides. They look like they're cut with a machine, and they fit, and they haven't moved in thousands and thousands of years. You know, we can't build a floor these days. Uh, Yusuf was talking that they can't, the Department of Antiquities can't put in a new floor that doesn't crumble under people just walking back and forth over it after 10 years. And these stones are in place like they've been since the thing was on. They're built to resist vibration, which is not earthquake vibration. The, they're clear about that. Um, and and actually, to... sorry, they um, the blocks the way they fit together is uh, is strange. They're, it's like as if they you know almost molded them to, to, together. But uh, you know, from my own when I seen them in person, there was fossils in the in the in the rocks that make the pyramids. And uh, well, it, it's you limestone. You don't make co- yeah. Uh, so so the concrete geopolymer stuff for the, the you know the you know if you if you pour a limestone block there's gonna be no fossil in it you had to start with you know well it's an aggregate 
and like they, they, uh, they, there wouldn't be any fossils in it. But there's fossils everywhere, and so that the fact that they put the blocks together with the weird shapes uh, homogeneously. That's uh, it's just really strange. How'd they do that? <laughs> just well, that's the thing. Like, if we're dealing with limestone, limestone's a sedimentary rock, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, mm-hmm. we're talking about like it, the buildup of a shoreline or water depositing, um, uh, you know, silt and and uh, f- fossils of like troglodytes and God knows what over for an extended period of time, and then it solidifies. Once the water recedes, it dries out, and all of a sudden you've got this rock. And it could have been, you know, 20, 30 feet down, what have you. So the idea of, um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, Jared, Jared is uh, talking, just said something funny in, in chat here. He's uh, saying like, the, um, it's like, Chris, you're not going to get laid off from this gig. I'm like, I, I could run out of money. He's like, I've got a few pair of old socks you could sell. Thank you, Jared. Much Danny appreciated. Lint, lint is good. Dryer lint Danny is good. We'll, we'll we'll make a giant ball. We'll roll it around the earth, and we'll we'll collect as much money as we can find from from other people's couches. Um, where was I going with this? The idea of this type of rock is that, like, to, as proof is, there was a flood at the pyramids. Okay, when the last time there was a flood that high, the pyramid would have been in, uh, would have been encased in its own encasing stones. The encasing stones didn't come off until about 1400 latest. Between 1300 and 1400, they started to get removed to build the rest of Cairo as it is now. Like the ancient Cairo from, you know, the uh, 1300s on. So any of that limestone would have been, you know, uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years old. To to, to produce fossils, to to produce that stone, we're talking ancient, ancient stone. That's basic geology. So... They took the stone right from the plateau, right next to the pyramid. I know, like it, most people look at that type of stone and say, "Okay, well, uh, like, oh, the, the 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 fossils are proof of of some flood that is that was a, that was surrounding the pyramid for an extended period of time." Like, n- no, no, that is no. like those uh, fossils take a long. Yeah, time unless to they produce. made concrete, and then the uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> the concrete would have uh, removed the fossils. <laughs> it would have actually made it yeah, homogenous. Uh, I'm saying unless the, the, you know, whatever crustaceans or whatever, uh, the, the creatures were in the concrete and then it, it's so old that they eventually became fossils. <laughs> but that's not the yeah. case. Well, I mean, the, yeah, the, the base of the thing was surrounded in water, so it's not going to be unusual to find marine creatures. That's very true. And from what we can tell, too, we're just looking at a lot. Of, I, I personally had just seen a lot of surface um uh, the, just the limestone surfaces had fossils in it. I didn't cut a limestone in half, or the block in half, sorry. So, obviously. Okay, so the next question that would be a good one to ask. If if they shut off the machine, and they could start the machine, at what period did the machine break down? What would break down over time? The catac- sorry, the, the, well, uh, if, if it was this, this radar shooting... Uh, you know, planetarium producing, uh, you know, jet flying, uh, lady kissing, whoo, machine. Um, shout out to Ric Flair. Uh, when did this machine break? When did it stop working as intended? It blew up. The, the pyramid blew up. Yeah, we see the damage in it today. Something lifted those 70 ton girders, which are over top of the king's chamber, and moved them over. The scorching is noticeable on the inside. Uh, the most, it, there's no. Oh, well, that was caused by an earthquake. Well, there's no earthquake damage anywhere else in the thing. What do you, um, what do you re- think about the salt systems? Um, uh, 
showing a slight shift in the, I think it was the southwest corner, causing that cracking in the King's Chamber. What do you think about that? Like, so that would have been an earthquake. Oh, but they blame that on an error in the design. Oh, that's right, too. And I don't go forward with any of that. Sorry, no. The subterranean chamber was not an error, and then they decide they're going to bury in the Queen's Chamber. Then that's an error. Then they decide they're going to bury in the King's Chamber. No, 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 no. No, I meant... To be able to support the bullshit for error, the direction to that subterranean chamber is basically bang on. It's like they they could have shot a... La- you could shine a laser pointer down that shaft, and it will hit the bottom. So that was not yes. a mistake. To be able to support yeah, it, your statement, I agree with you. No, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, Danny, I meant, did I miss your point? Yeah, sorry. I, I meant the King's Chamber had a shift in it that caused the cracking. A shift in its weight, so it couldn't support the beams above it, and that shift caused the cracking through all of the layers. Well, that's their hypothesis, I suppose. Okay, now why would because they Because have... they don't imagine the thing is having a reactive center that's exploding as, as part of its design? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, obviously. Wouldn't the support structure over the king's chamber have been a design flaw if it is that easily... Like, like we're talking about explosions going off the king's chamber here. Mm-hmm. Why the hell would they have put the support structure above the place where there are going to be giant fucking explosions? Like, that oh, just seems to, ridiculous to me. Shake. It's, uh, well, that's you, keeping you... the top from blowing off. I run those calculations in cycles. Okay, well, wouldn't have been wouldn't have made more sense to you put a support structure, you encase the king's chamber, and then let's say twenty, thirty feet above that, then you start the support structure. <laughs> the uh, the granite leaves are all they're uh, or sorry the uh, the relieving chambers apparently they're not relieving chambers. They're just a um, a big stack. Yeah, they don't relieve anything at all. <laughs> it's just a stack that leads to the ceiling. Um, it looks like there was a modern, uh, 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 like they like they put some concrete in above the last layer. For some reason, it looks like it's modern. Uh, actually, it's sim- uh, similar to the uh, gypsum that they repair apparently repaired the Grand Gallery with. I think that same um, material was used at the, in the top chamber. Uh, for some kind of repair as well, but uh, no, it's it shouldn't. It's not being. It's not the ceiling. Um, the yeah, the ceiling's not supporting anything. That's or sorry, it's supporting everything beyond the king's chamber. The king's chamber isn't uh, pushing against the ceiling at all. It's not touching it. Okay, yeah, let me follow up with. Let me follow up with one more. It's on actually that too. sorry. Actually, I actually think it's touching, but sorry, but I'm, it's not supporting uh, the weight of the king's chamber. It's. Okay, so, so essentially, what what you're saying is that the um, the relieving chambers aren't actually relieving chambers. They're not doing much of anything. So why were they? Why would they have been there? They make noise. Yeah, to shake. Okay, and again, for, for that shaking, what, what the shaking was to be able to produce the microwaves, X-rays. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. No, uh, actually, if you see it on the technical diagram, I just have it labeled as acoustic output. It just tells you when the thing is actually firing. Okay, so let's see here. So, so basically, the only reason those chambers were there was literally to be able to to, to be able to know the machine was on. No, no. Uh, if Added that was the, the only purpose, it wouldn't have to be that that fancy, and you wouldn't want how does it forty one, forty two, forty three of them um, arranged like, in. And they're the five largest tiers. blocks in the entire pyramid. That yeah. we know about, yeah. yeah actually, okay. we're not even entirely sure that it's all in a granite, too. 
uh, Suzanne Moore actually pointed out to me that the one stone, even after it was cleaned, was very black. And it could have been a diorite. And so that that is very interesting um, to okay. know that it might not be an entirely uh, uh, granite chamber. Okay, so e- or, e- even even at this point, again, uh, again, I'm sorry, guys, for, 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 for seemingly busting your balls. I was actually... That was the second question. <laughs> that was busting your balls. This is this is me trying to be able to figure out what the what, like. Now we're on to something. Like this is this is some sitting down, drinking scotch, thinking shit here, and this is what this show's all about. So let's let's try and nice. figure this out here. What the fuck? Okay, those chambers are there, and I'm I'm trying to think. Like they're they're forty fifty tons each, like Seven. massive massive, not just a block of stone. This is a beam of solid granite that they dragged from 50 kilometers away and they have uh looking at this technical drawing again here uh and go. actually again that's just speculation just speculation we don't know that it came from aslan okay we well, don't know 100 so it, it, it doesn't line well okay doesn't line up well, they weren't local aslan that's or for not. sure so it's granite it, it's it's solid stone and it's not for as a relieving chamber and it's above a place that had explosions and they lugged how, how many layers are there four Five, I think. Five layers. Yeah. So five, and it's how many across again? It's uh, uh, six or eight across. Uh, it varies. So it varies. Each, so each layer is different. It's a little, let, let's make an estimate here. I'm, I'm going to bring up my calculator here, and the listeners at home are going to be like, "Oh my god, oh my god, they're going to figure some shit out here." Like, yes, yes, we're going to try and figure some shit out here. So let's say about forty tons per block times f- five layers. So that's five layers. So that's two hundred tons. Uh, if it's one block. Now, let, let's say if there's um, uh, eight across, so it's eight. That is... Uh, okay, so let's, uh, let's try this again. So eight times 40 is 320. So each one of those beams would be uh, 300... Or each one of those relieving chambers would have been 320 tons. 320 mm-hmm. tons just by itself. Times five. 1,600 Tons. Plus the beams between those too. Plus so, the beams so between add, those. Add, an, add another eight beams. So that's uh, um, uh, so it's so <laughs> let's say so f- twenty five times eight times six. So did I do the right? So it's uh, uh did I, four, It's heavy. Twenty five times eight times. How do I get this? So forty. Forty five times five times six. Uh, so it's it's around like fourteen hundred tons, fourteen to fifteen hundred tons. That is a fuck ton of weight, and I'm saying that in, in using that term "fuck ton" because it, that is thirteen hundred fifty tons is a fuck ton of yeah, weight. Yeah, that's a above it's a scientific that. unit. That is yeah, a scientific. We all know unit. what fuck, it means. Yeah, exactly. What the hell <laughs> would they have put thirteen hundred and fifty tons worth of solid granite in that configuration above a place that had explosions? To, be to able keep to... the top from blowing off, it needs to be that heavy. With you know, you've got but somewhere between used... one and ten then, atmospheres inside. Then why not make it? Why not make solid granite? Why not make it a, one solid piece or send one it, send solid it blo- uh, and, and, and blocks? If you're making blocks like one one cubit, like uh, uh, several cubits by several cubits, and make an actual. Well, let's just go ahead and case. let's go ahead and make it even more confusing. They're finished smooth on the bottom, but they're left rough on the top. And not only left rough, but it looks like somebody's gone in there and tuned them. They've yeah. carved pieces out of this one, but not out of that one. They've <clears throat> scooped a little bit out of this one, but not out of that one. Looks like somebody was up there tuning it. And you could make an argument that maybe they're actually dampening vibrations as they're building the thing up. 
Um, you know, they're going to have the thing in partial operation as they're testing it, as they're building it to make sure everything works. And, and they uh, could be canceling out um, vibrations at that point. And, and gentlemen, I do I do have a correction actually from Jod Cadman. Um, <clears throat> fuck, fuck tons, tons of granite. Yeah. Fuck tons yeah. of granite. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you, John, <laughs> m- m- Mr. Cadman. That is appreciated. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just for the clarification, that is good to know. So now, now we've got a, 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 a specific on 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 that uh, that uh, that metric. <clears throat> yeah. It, it, this is this is this it's is the idea. A unit of that times pi too. Okay, now like I'm I'm going to be spoiling a bonus uh, episode that's going to be coming out on Sunday. So I was originally going to release it next Friday. I'm re- releasing it Sunday. It's going to be episode 31. This is actually a, an impromptu uh, conversation I had with Robert Bavall. and this was pre the same day that from it was last Friday that I called up and I'm like, okay, like Robert, like we've got Steve Meyer on the show. And a lot, like Steven, he's a good guy, good sport, um, but he does not like your your Orion correlation. Did you want to be able to rebut? And he sends me his his uh, his uh, uh, Skype. He's like, give me a call. And literally, all he was going to do was um, just tell me he's not going to give me a rebuttal because it's been done to death. He's been doing it for 25 years. It's been proven, you know, like in his eyes, correct. He doesn't need to rebut anything. People are going to like, you know, throw throw shade his way. And he, you know, he, he doesn't have to do anything about it. So he has actually postulated some very interesting uh, ideas about, and oh my God, <laughs> sorry, jo- John Cadman, and I quote, and John, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote you on this. I'm, I'm gonna make you back it up. <laughs> and I'm I'm just I'm I'm reading. I'm, I'm again. Read Stephen is a good sport. <laughs> I have nothing against Stephen personally, but I'm reading from John Cadman. Stephen Myers, dash, douchebag. I'm going to leave it at that. Just leave it at that. That is from, from John Cadman himself. If you're putting it in chat, you know it's going to be right on the show. You've been here for two hours. You know you, you know I'm going to read shit. Um, That's just a correlation, though. That is... Correlations don't exist. Especially that Bethlehem correlation. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't, don't even get me started on that. And apparently he said John Cadman, fuck him personally. So, um... There is some shade that is being thrown here, and if I'm if I'm gonna if I'm, there's gonna be any type of discussion, I want to be able to have a John Cadman, uh, Stephen Myers throwdown. Like mm. that would be one of the highest rated shows of the year. It, like it would if, end in thirty seconds. Well, yeah, have them bring working models. Well, fuck that. You know, if it's, if it's ending ending in thirty seconds, let the people watch you drink scotch for two fucking hours. I don't give a shit. Um, I want to see that happen uh, without causation, as Denver Michaels did it edit in. So. The big thing, no, and I digress. <clears throat> uh, the episode being released on Sunday, Robert Bavall uh, postulated a few very interesting ideas, which I'm not going to go too deep into because I want you to listen to the episode about the fact that the pyramid hims- itself could be something more than everything that we are talking about. It could be machine. It could, you know, it could be something else. But the idea of sending signals somewhere, the idea that the, the pyramid is a puzzle to be solved. There are so many mysteries in this fucking 42, 46 story pile of stone that they just placed there for no apparent fucking reason that we can discern. There's tons of theories, but no one knows for sure. And the only thing we've been able to be able to discern is that the fact that there is high mathematics encoded in the fucking thing, there was a message to be sent forward in time. Now, if you've got people who are sending a message forward in time and making the microphone bounce because I'm so into this right now. Think of it this way. 
the pyramid is a puzzle that is based on a technological level. And I'm going I'm to put the put this. This is what you need. Why you need to listen to this episode. I'm releasing Sunday. It is free. Get it on iTunes. I'm going to post it on the YouTube channel. You need to be at a certain technological level to be able to unlock certain secrets, like the doors at the top of the Queen's Pyramid and the, how they were closed. They they stuck steel rods up there, and they knew that there was a door, but they couldn't see up there. We sent a robot up there in the '90s because we had the technology to make something that small with a fucking camera to send up that pyramid. Now, think about it this way. If you are going to be able to build something that is the most technologically advanced thing you're ever going to build or ever could be built based on its uh, designs and dimensions for no particular use as a monument. And things like muons. uh, Doug, do you you know that muons are like a recent recent discovery? Sure. Okay. Well... Well, sort of. I okay. mean, they're elementally par- elementary particles. They're not like well, really tr- new, right? Well, well, they're, they're not really. Well, they're not. <laughs> they're scanning the pyramids with muons now. Exactly. Aren't they? This is a technology that has not been around since I like act- the early, mid, 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 the mid two thousands. I accidentally kicked, um, like I guess, like silt all over them by accident when I went into the queen's chamber. Actually, a bunch of my friends did too. We we <laughs> felt terrible. <laughs> About going into the queen's chamber. Yeah, when we were in there, um, uh, there was. The muon scanners on in the um, it would be the southwest corner. Um, they were also in a the tunnel through the niche, the queen's chamber niche. There was a set behind a, a metal gate. Um, yeah, and, and uh, once what everybody had stirred up all the dust in there, it had coated the tops of those. Um, they looked like uh, basically aluminum, uh, one foot or eighteen inch squares, and they were uh, those are the muon the muon catchers. You know, okay. And so, uh, but, yeah, we actually kicked dirt all over. It was awful. We we felt terrible. No. <laughs> like, oh, hopefully, didn't screw it up. <laughs> oh shit! Well, yeah, I, I I'm I'm gonna you know I can't edit this part up because it's a live show. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm thinking, hoping that's not an international crime or something. It, yeah, I hope it not may, either. But, it may oh. be, but you know, I don't know where Doug lives. Or sorry, I, I don't know where Danny lives, so they can't. You know, like like yeah, where, yeah, where is this man? Danny. Who's Danny? Yeah, yeah, Dan, I heard of him. Danny. I, I know a DK. I I know some guy who's been some oh, places shit. and. Talked about some Teslas and pyramids, but I don't really lose. That that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Now, the idea that there is tech, technology you need to be able to get to learn the secrets of the pyramid, and that the people who built it knew that you would need certain technology or certain abilities to get there. They they maybe they would not know the technology you would need, but they said they they have to be able to get to a level. It's like. We're gonna we're gonna put this door at the the like the top of a two hundred foot shaft that goes at like forty five degrees upwards and let you motherfuckers figure this out and see if you can figure like see if you can actually find I out. I think what, it was what, just what, a vent. Well, it's a possibility. It just, it's a possibility. It was just a vent to, to, to vent some pressure <clears throat> to, so that the whole thing doesn't explode. Okay, well that's a possibility. But I'm saying is that there yeah, there are certain yeah. there are features in the pyramid that we don't know. So. What what else is there? Like, what? How far do we need to be able to progress to be able to find out more from this pyramid? Well, the act, I'm, I'm not taking away anything from what Doug's done. Um, it, it's absolutely incredible. Keep it simple, I, guys. I, please keep it simple. So, yep. So, from the power generation uh, perspective, uh, we would need a continuous output, and I think that uh, the the granite was just made hot to stay hot continuously, and to continuously generate. Um, uh, DC and that um, 
most of the design is just very simple. It's just to pump water in, get some gas out, burn the gas, get the heat, use the heat, and uh, modulate that frequency. And um, that's just my own take, though. Uh, but I think that uh, without uh, saying that something just points to the stars or anything like that, I, um, I think that makes way more sense to just say that it's just an air channel. It's just a water channel. It's just making gas, and it's just burning gas. Well, the pointing at a star is enormously useful when you're building it because you can float water inside the shaft and keep the starlight reflected in the center. That's really cool. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it just so happens you just pick the one that you're aiming at. Um, uh, I'm not sure it has some, you know, it's, yeah. that, would be a, that would be a religion or a magic, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. And Danny and I like no aliens, no religion, no magic. <laughs> Well, and again, like a, that's my slogan. You guys will listen to this show for quite some time, so yeah, the, this is the uh, this is the pure rational, or at least speculative side of of the ancient mystery side. Uh, but no, like, do I know whether there was a like for, for all I know, aliens sent a message and like beamed some message to some guy's head. I wasn't there. I don't know. It's a possibility. Were the Anunnaki real? It's a possibility. But, you know, at uh, the same intel- time... Intelligent life like us, it's a possibility. Life in general, it's, that's obvious. There's, there's is, life in the solar system, or in the universe. That's, you know... Without a doubt, it is mathematically. It is, it is more of a probability that they, it exists than not. So the idea is... It, how Intelligent hell, life, though? Well, that's well, it's a great answer either way, right? Whether we are or whether we aren't. Mm-hmm. Okay, do either one of you guys believe in the uh, reptilian shape-shifting aliens? Fuck no, I don't. Oh, thank God. That's so stupid. Oh, like, okay. Anunnaki, that was, uh, was like uh, stitching. He just, he made a story up and everyone bought it. That Like, he's uh, he's like the he's like DC Comics or something. And, and yeah, people are taking it. in the basket of aliens, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're native Earth. Maybe they're like flat Earth reptiles. There, there is no, didn't, don't, don't you watch the Facebook page? There is no flat Earth. I proved that today with the flat Earth solar clips. <laughs> that was hilarious, by the way. Good one. Now, okay, I didn't so, see it. G- going back to the whole ancient aliens, um, and again, th- this is why I love this show, because I, I riff on uh, like any th- like ancient aliens a possibility. Reptilians, we finally have a, like a crowd here who is like reptilians is bullshit. Thank you, love you guys, you're awesome, good. Unless the queen's gonna take her face off on live TV, great. Someone get a fucking camera, show me, and I will believe you. Until then, I'm thinking it's bullshit. Um. The pyramid, though, built by reptilians, I'm... Who knows? Were we there? Were the reptilians... You know, did they they like the sun? Were they crocodiles that were, like, really advanced? Did they... I don't even... We shouldn't even talk about this stuff. I think that's ridiculous. I just... (laughs) Honestly, God, I... I, I, That's... This is why I... This is why I got into... Got any skeletons? I mean, anything? This is honestly why I did Tesla pyramids, because I felt like, you know, no bullshit. I'm going to try and apply what I know as a human being that's been working on construction sites for 30 years or not 30 years you know my you whole life are, you guys are quiet i was waiting until i was, I was yeah. waiting to see how long I, it was for you to chip I back in is, <laughs> i think i'm trying to aim something that's more practical and as opposed to just saying aliens built it or it's aimed at a, the stars or whatever else like I, I that's why when i found doug's uh, when i met doug online it was i was you know i knew where this was going okay well you, you, know, know, I, like, you guys really have your shit going that's the thing so I, I gotta say this much. Uh, 
if there was a giant explosion, I'm going to go back here because we're not finished the conversation yet, and I want to at least get to the bottom of your beautiful, amazing brains, since I've got you both on the line here, in, in uh, you know, pan panoramic surround sound stereo, which doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to go with it. If there were explosions going on in the King's Gallery, I know that there is somewhat of a dispute between the idea that they were caused by earthquakes, they were caused by the explosion, um, the bottoms were carved up perfectly, but the up uh, the upper side of them was not. There are diagrams that show that they were, you know, they they were carved, and and um, uh, I'm going to say made perfect, quote unquote, uh, to be able to be placed there without much of a uh, without much of a um, here or there. Now I'm I'm going to put this out there just just as an idea. I want to get you guys' opinions. If there are acoustics that are going to be produced by this chamber and the rocks are going to be waved in a certain way and waves are not just 2d as in a straight line you know compression wave but they're 3d uh-huh is there a possibility that the shape of the rocks would have actually produced a 3d acoustic wave based on a certain idea or a certain concept and oh heck and, yeah okay Standing standing modes, uh, they're very straightforward and they're calculated. Okay, and going from there, what would have been the purpose of the particular shape of the wave that they were producing? Ah, uh, at least as far as the radar hypothesis goes, I know the frequency that I need coming out of that waveguide. Um, that's going to drive the design backwards and it's going to tell me the RF frequencies that I need to drive the microwave horn. Um, and so if I build a, a box that is the exact correct dimensions, um, then I get the correct wavelength inside that because only certain wavelengths can stand inside that room. Uh, it naturally selects itself just by the nature of acoustics. Okay. Now by stand, by stand inside that room, what do you mean? Oh, standing waves. Uh, you have, uh, say we were to put a signal generator in that room and Resonate fill frequency. it with all frequencies. Some frequencies will bounce off the wall and then cancel as they're coming back. Others will selectively reinforce themselves. That is the nature of the reflection. By the time they get back, they're actually enhancing the sound. That's where the room will have natural resonance. Um, it will ha it will select certain wavelengths um, and and enhance those magnify those ampl you know amplify those while deselecting the others okay. it's exactly like, what i think's going on with the pulse dc that i you know um uh theorizes going on between the pyramids that they they created a standing wave uh with the earth resonant cavity you know constructively adding to itself again as and, it reflected back and how would they have figured out what wave to be able to, to actually carve into the stone like based um, on speculation well I, th I think the pyramids actually um brought the sound of the earth into something we could hear uh, up into our range or like uh that's where like you know with no sound no ac grid on and no 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 society you know or big heavy machinery around everywhere we would have had uh, it would have been quiet. We could have heard the earth, you know, and that uh, I think just, yeah, that a pyramid basically amplified that sound and they were able to hear it. And so they could tune accordingly. Okay. Now your next book is going to be on the receiving side, like the, uh, you know, cycles of the pyramids, which I'm going to just let the camera zoom up, zoom up on this. Nope. 
Got to get in close. Yeah, cycles is of the transmitter and of the observatory in a little bit. <laughs> okay. Um, Give us a sneak... But I really did think it was... Oh, I'm sorry. Give us a sneak preview. Like, like explain the uh, relation between the transmitter and the receiver, and give us a little bit of a preview on the next book and describe how you're working on making that a reality. Oh, uh, actually, there's a very interesting experiment which has been suggested to me uh, by an old lab buddy of mine who is now the um, associate professor of physics and astronomy at the University of Indianapolis. I went down and talked to him, and we spoke for a good couple hours over the whole thing. Um, and he actually suggested an interesting experiment. The um, We didn't get to... I think we actually hinted on it that the, the upper chambers are being pumped full of water. So they end up boiling and the whole thing is basically full of steam because as Danny said, the steam actually enhances the efficiency of the electrolysis that, that we're splitting. Um, so this thing, basically you have to think of it as a, basically it's a steam fountain outside of that air shaft. It's, it's pumping large amounts of boiling water um, which is flying out, forming a cloud um, in between the pyramids. But, of course, the Earth is moving in that direction, so anything that the big one is putting out, the middle one is going to intercept. Um, so I've got this big, huge ionized cloud of condensing water, and that does some very interesting physics. This is not something we really do today. I mean, I can look at it and, from a technical problem, go, I wonder what that does. But my buddy, the um, professor, suggested, well, why don't you actually build an experiment to do that? And so I'm actually trying to figure out how I can inject some steam uh, 15, 20, 50 meters up in the air and take advantage of the natural voltage gradient that the Earth puts out and actually model how the transmitter is interacting with the receiver, which was the original question. That's... Um, and there's a lot that gets into it of, of how, how strong the signal is when it leaves versus how weak it is when it gets back, um, what techniques they were using to amplify the signal. Um, it is small, but it's not ridiculously small. It looks like a small number, but we deal with radio signals like that all the time. Um, you no doubt have this enormous structure. Um, the, if I was just to suggest, and I'm not suggesting, but if I was to suggest at some point in their past they were covered with metal, who would know? Um, it's a safe bet that anything metal was taken off of them a long time ago. Um, and it's the nature of radio antennas that you don't even need a lot of metal. Um, yeah, pure dielectric structure. Yeah, the, the, the structure itself uses different materials with different electrical characteristics. And they're just, it's constructed in novel ways that take advantage of those differences. Um, it's... As, as you said, it's just genius. The, the design, um, everything is in there for a purpose. Um, and it's just when you see something, you have to just keep riddling yourself, well, what is that for? Um, what, what was the reason why they did that? Why did they put it that way? Um, yeah, I, but, I, I, I would do the John Anthony West uh, uh, accent. Search me, search me. But I, I can't do the, the – I cannot do his uh, level of British, unfortunately. But still, it, the idea is to be able to, 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 to find the secrets within the pyramid. It, it begs to be searched. It begs to be uh, discovered. And it begs to be found out. It was placed there for a reason. Like, not haphazardly. You don't spend 120 years building something for shits and giggles as a fucking yes. monument. It does not happen. That does not exist. I, Can like, I ask you a question? Go right... 
Whoa, shit. 120 years. I'll use your number. 120 years yeah. to show us what Orion looks like. Awesome. So, what, we forget sir, what it looks like? Oh, shit. What was 100, that? Sir, 120 years, like, that is, uh, that, that's We're a number. We're going to build a structure cost... so that we remember what Orion looks like in the sky. They remember what it looks like in 10,500 B.C. Sure, it hasn't changed. The asterisms haven't changed significantly over no, that time frame. Precisely. But the position from where it was was 10,500 B.C. That is something that is that is uh, considered fact at this point. Oh, sure. It's at, well, it's at the lowest point, and it's okay. It, it's, so as what, we see it in procession. So what is the question? It wasn't quite. But a it question. does that. What like every every great circle, right? It's going to do that. Well, why not say it was 24,000 years before that? Well, it's a possibility. We don't know. We weren't alive then. But sorry, what was the exact question? Because I, I got a number. Oh, and I'm just saying. Of... Okay, you're saying you're pointing out very, very aptly so. Mm -hmm. uh, if this thing has to have a, as Stephen Meyer said, a return on investment. What's the return on investment that the civilization gets for investing? You know, well, several generations worth of their of their labor, oh, um, of their resources, um, and if that. The whole purpose is what the Orion correlation theory suggests that is so we know what Orion looked like. I, I don't understand what the whole point of putting Orion on the ground is when all you got to do is look up in the sky and there it is. And by the way, if you look up in the sky, it's not upside down. Well, it, it's not like that was uh, actually uh, BBC did this whole thing like, oh, it's not upside down. Like it's upside down. No, like they actually recount that entire uh, like that entire statement. No, they made, they let Graham and John and. Uh, Robert come in to try to explain their position, well, but BBC it's fucked upside up. down. That's, you can't argue that, that the asterism points up and the pyramids point down well, to the south and one points to the north. Well, that, that, well, but that, they even wrote a whole other book explaining why you got to tilt your head back and look at it this way and then it works. But I, you know, I don't really want to talk about the OCT. <laughs> yeah. Don't waste oh, our time. How much, how I'll much scotch it, you got? I, I got like, I got like more than half a bottle left. I can go all night. Yeah, I'm good. I got, I got nothing but time. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. You know, 120 years it needs to it really needs to do something for them to to justify that. And and I, honestly, I can see why they might do some stuff, but I don't think they they really gave two hoots about us. Um, they're not trying to throw knowledge forward to us at all. They're trying to deal with their own problems any more than we're worrying about what somebody 10,000 years from us is going to be doing with our stuff. Well, think about it this way. Like 10, you know, you lay out, like, what would survive? I'm thinking of the Apollo program. Probably the flame trench would survive. If anything, that'd be the last thing to survive, right? So maybe 10,000 years from now, they're going to come and study the flame trench, and, and they're going to figure this is where they buried their kings, right? You line it up this way so the soul can get off to the stars. Um and maybe somebody will come along and go, you know, I really think they put rockets over this, and the rocket and the, the fire went out that way. Uh, and Actually, then they're going, well, you know, why would they do that? What's the point of going into space with rockets? Uh, you know, why would they spend you know, all this time to do that? Because the Russians what were after us with their... Russia, yeah, because there was a military. Cause that's, that's a very good answer, because <laughs> we have to lift our bombs. So who would, have been, so who would have been the alternate uh, force? If, if, oh, back if, then? Well, back the well again. If they're building this pyramid well, again, I think it's the rocks. Though I think they were fighting the rocks, just like we do. Um, I think that at some point, our our civilization as a space-going civilization needs to wake up and assume the responsibility for the planet. Um, and we have the technology to stop these rocks. We know they're coming. It's a it's a when. It's not an if. Um, and we need to start dealing with it seriously. Certainly, a lot more than just spending blood and treasure over in the sand somewhere. Let's actually try to to spare our species. And of course, we have to get off this rock too. Uh, we need to start sending our 
people out there and spreading our genetics around. So in case the worst happens. Um, so what you're saying is we man, need to like, be like it, Captain Kirk, green women. There we go. Reptilian green women. Um, Doug, what kind of symbology have you come across as far like um, in all the Egyptology and, and everything like pertaining to cycles? Uh, actually, I haven't really looked at it that much. One thing that's interested me, that, uh, just came across some interesting research the other day where somebody's interpreting the hieroglyphs as, as technical symbols. Um, and I really wanted to think about that more. You know, it, there's that big question of how much the dynastics actually understood of what they had inherited. Um, they came in, they got all this stuff that, as I understand it, at least didn't have any writing on it. And then they came through and carved all this writing all over it. Um Sometimes without even not sure what something was or how it was made, let's just uh, mm-hmm. you know, if the enemies are coming in, then of course we made all this stuff, right? Um, yeah, it seemed big and powerful. But no, I haven't really looked into it that much. Uh, to me, the physics of falling water doesn't matter what you're calling or, or what symbols you're using to describe it. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's well, picking pick unit system. It's going to fall that fast, and everything else fall, goes from there. I feel the same way, um, but I, I've noticed that uh, I hear um, that, you know, the pyramids connected with the realms of the gods, and and then for some reason that just makes me think about how life and electricity are intrinsically connected, and that maybe the pyramids are connecting with this realm, this electrical realm, that may, they, maybe they thought electricity was like, you know, another realm, much like Tesla thought the ether was the ether. You know, I know the ether's been disproven. But I uh, just still need to think about that um, and that connection there, you know. Yeah, or even how about, how, how about Hakim's uh, indigenous teaching saying, you know, the pyramids were for the people to feed the people. That always bugged me because it's like, you know, pyramids to feed the people. What? Like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, that's actually a possibility because the, the pyramids are placed on, on, on a certain position within the global sphere that actually promotes growth within that area. And if you go back to our, our episode of uh, um, with uh, John Michael Greer, he outlines the entire concept. And fuck, even episode nine, we had uh, Ross Hamilton on who said that people would build these structures on certain areas of ground that they knew based on the knowledge that they had uh, to be able to promote growth. It was on the ley lines of the earth. And this was it's- able to, uh, you know, make the land more fertile. And yeah, I actually wondered at some point... As a fountain, this thing would have the ability, of course, to pump lots and lots of water in the air. Um, water is nothing and, about, and, without nutrients. You can have a lot of water actually, if the soils work um, shit. I wonder if I wish John Cavett could call in. I wonder if he could comment on this even in the chat. He in one of, in one of his videos online, he talks about how the, the dimensions of the shafts um, of the subterranean chamber and, and the, the the pulse system it, would, it could actually pump water to the height of the pyramid. Uh, and just that height, just there, and it could, um, you know, I, and I was thinking that maybe they uh, they were pumping water to the top of the pyramid to let it percolate down for conductivity, uh, making making the stone more conductive, and that's uh, always up what oh, conduit though. There's there's nothing maybe, that goes all the way up to the top. Well, maybe it's that uh, the, the perk shaft, or maybe there's it's there's a horizontal, sh- uh, sorry, a vertical shaft detected next to the horizontal shaft and the descending passage maybe that shaft is what pumps water to the top of the pyramid and then it, the water would leak through the, the sieve that is limestone 
And that's what yeah. Well, no, it's, the, I actually do think no that they probably had some sort of a service elevator during construction because they've got all that hydraulic pressure there. You'd you'd find some way just to lift your rocks all the way to the top. Um, you know, rather yeah. than ramping them up or carrying them up, you just build See, I, a little like, service elevator that's big enough to zip, send them up. Zip, there goes another one. Zip, there I, goes another one. Why? And I thought when I first uh, heard yeah, of the Myers John's concept, right. yeah, according to John's model and the equation, this thing could easily pump water higher than itself. Yeah, well, I thought actually, and knowing that, like Steve Myers, uh, his water, you know, building system, like let's not let's say they didn't use locks around the pyramid. Let's say they actually built it internally. So it's a combination of maybe Jean-Pierre and using water, you know, Jean-Pierre Houdin's theory and uh, use and Steve Meyer's theory with pumping water inside and moving blocks around using buoyancy. That uh, that would that would make it easy on building the pyramids. I, I could see myself building a pyramid if it was easy to do, and especially if water was around and I could you know stay cool all day. Yeah, that's you know? what I originally thought about the, the spraying the water all over. What's the point? The, the, this whole thing depends on an abundance of water to begin with. There there would have to be an easier way to get it there. You know, and then why also do you have to align the thing to the cardinal points of the planet? You know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Make it a scale model of the Earth. Why are you doing all this if it's just a fountain? So, no, I, I would see it more as a, a prosperity machine in terms of if you align it right, if it's done right, then it's going to be able to produce the right results, which is to uh, enrich the crops, enrich the soil by using, like, bringing that energy up to be able to make things work better and jesus christ danny (laughs) big sexy chris no 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 no. that's big sexy alex he's not here right now and alex is actually in chat alex is in chat and you know i'm sorry i'm gonna bring alex in what's your nickname what's your nickname though did i nickname george zuger no you didn't no that's not your nickname no no that's it's BSC now. Yeah. Oh, you can't have two big sexies. You can't. That's it's impossible. Well. That that's too much you, awesome for one show. That is too much awesome like for one said, show. Drinking scotch in a vest, <clears throat> doing a show, man. You know, sorry, I'm wearing the vest because my mom was watching. Thank you very much. I look good because my mom's like, you got to look good. <laughs> so let, let me just uh, add Alex in here because he's actually online now. So I'm gonna bring him in here. Um. So, Alex? Hello. You missed quite a lot, man. Hello? Yeah, I'm Alex? here. Can you hear me? Yay! We're, we're at, like, like, to the top of the show. But um, still, you like you made the effort. You can't, you, like, you logged on to Skype. Uh, how, how was your night? My night was fantastic. I, uh... You know, risottos, mushroom risottos, and a rib dinner and wine. I couldn't resist. You know what? It's fantastic. And I'm uh, glad that you're at least on the show uh, from where you are at the same time. Um, where where were we before? Fountains, Ross Hamilton, a prosperity machine. How many guys here with, with this train of thought? Oh, uh, vests, my mom, big sexy Chris. <clears throat> no, not my nickname. <clears throat> I do not like the vest. Well, thank you very much. But that is not my nickname. <clears throat> not my nickname. <clears throat> oh, this is what happens in here, like, not smoking for, like, three hours. Ooh, shit. Do not smoke, people. Quit smoking. Get get your smoke um, aid somewhere else. I, I want to know what Alex thinks about uh, uh, Doug's concept. Oh, I thought we were asking about the reptile people. Oh, come on. 
I mean, everybody knows reptiles love fountains. Oh, God. Okay, yeah, I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> they do. They like heat lamps. Oh, shit, I didn't take that. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, guys, like this, this is something like we can save this for the next show on the 21st. It, unless something happens, which then we'll do a Thursday show and we'll have the entire Jod Cammon, uh, like, you know, uh, Danny Kerr and uh, Doug Keenan cavalcade on this one show with Alex actually in the studio. Alex, I've had to, had to carry the entire show without you here. I'm kind of um, a little bit energized, but at the exact same time. Um, yeah. You're running out of like, adrenaline. Like a boss, Chris. Like a commentary. boss. Oh, f- <laughs> oh, Alex, we need an intern for to be able to run the graphics. Was, I swear to God. Yeah. I swear to God. Now, uh, I, you know, I know one thing is that, like we're going to transition into the final segment of the night, uh, which is the, <clears throat> and I, I'm, you know, I didn't even get the new music on the show. It's the uh, uh, send Denver Michaels a sandwich contest. <laughs> I'll, I'll get music for next week, hopefully, or tomorrow, or we'll see. So I'm, I'm going to add Denver onto the show uh, to see how things are going with the sandwiches that have been sent in. Let's see, add people. Who's online? Denver Michael. Den, Denver Michaels. Hey, can I throw in the real simple one of just doing a layer of smooth peanut butter on one side and crunchy peanut butter on the other, and then just put the jelly in the middle? You have to send I've it never tried that. Info that's... at denoflore.com. That's the only official okay, entry. Just or, that one or, or to the to the Twitter page at denoflore. But uh, we do not take on air submissions of recipes. It's just not fair. So let, let me see what Denver's up to. <laughs> <laughs> Denver. Denver. Mr. Denver Michaels. We have life. Hello? Denver, how are you doing, buddy? How's it going, man? Oh, my God. You know, my mom is listening to this show right now, and she's probably oh, yeah. uh, uh, quite surprised I'm actually, like, upright still. She's like, oh, but, like, even Dad listened to the show, and he's, like, very excited that he, like, he was watching on YouTube. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, like, oh, this is, like, me in elementary school with, you know, <laughs> the nativity play that we played in, in, uh, in grade <laughs> six all over again. <laughs> but still. You know, the fact that my parents are supporting that, that's amazing to me. Now, that's I up. have not sent you her recipe yet, so I'm, I'm saving that to, like, next week. But I know that you were sent in a recipe from Alani, like, in the last five days, which was a... Your cue. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. That... Well, we got we got two. Um, the, the one... Uh, the first one that I tried was a... Um, let, let's see. Let me look at my notes. Here. It was peanut butter, uh, strawberry jam, and lots of bacon. Uh, the bread was toasted, and uh, it was really good. I gave that an uh, I gave that an eight. That was a really good combination. Sorry, you you give a sandwich with bacon an eight? Really? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> shit, man. Oh god, <laughs> bacon's supposed to be a ten. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the bacon goes better with meat or cheese and peanut butter and jelly. But, um, but you know, it, it did kind of liven up the uh, peanut butter and jelly a little bit. D- D- Denver, do you know I have not sent you a sandwich recipe of my own yet? 
Yeah, when when's that going to happen? Because well, well, first of all, I want to be able to keep the field open, and second of all, because I would win. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Uh, because I've got the bref- breakfast sandwich that would knock anyone's socks off. Okay, well, I, I do love breakfast oh, sandwiches. My goodness, yeah. it was yeah. actually made by make. My wife does not listen to this show. I'm going to say that right flat out. She does not listen to this show at all. Ancient history and ancient mysteries is not her bag. River dancing is her bag. Now, Ugh. so I'm going to say this flat out. My ex fiance <laughs> from 10 years ago made a kick-ass breakfast sandwich that I actually made better based on the fact that she was a chef. Now, I know that recipe. I'm not going to send that in because it's not fair for one for my wife and two because I want other people to get this sandwich. The this the sandwich send Denver Michaels a sandwich 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 contest prize. The now, I can tell you this know. recipe. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to throw this in here as as a grand prize winner. For all the individuals listening at home, I'm going to look right into the camera. If you want the best fucking breakfast sandwich recipe ever, send your recipe for a sandwich in to info at denoflore.com or tweet at us at denoflore on Twitter. Send us a message on Facebook. I don't care. But if you win, you get three signed copies of Denver Michael's books in addition to the best fucking breakfast sandwich you will ever fucking have looking at you right in the eyes right now right right now like right now like look at me like look at me right here it will change your life and if it doesn't i will mow your lawn i just (laughs) gave the secret recipe in the chat (laughs) i'm I'm looking at facebook right i'm not not even in the chat oh shit what did you what uh no 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 sorry it's not a blt no it is not what You were no, wrong. then you haven't had a proper BLT. <laughs> oh, trust me. I've had a proper BLT. I don't know. No, maybe you overcooked bacon. Are you accusing a Canadian of overcooking bacon, <laughs> sir? <laughs> I, sorry, I will, I will drive story. the seven hours down there to slap you in the face with my trout that I caught no, I, with myself, my own two bear I, hands I that yeah, from the I river just... <laughs> like a bear and, t- and took back with me to cure in my igloo. Where we have these lovely drapes hung right now. It is very cold in here right now, I swear. Now, so an eight for a Lonnie sandwich was eight out of ten. Yeah, and I, I tried the uh, the other sandwich. Um, there there were two, and uh, I think the first one was probably more just a uh, just a troll job. It called for um, toasted dark rye. Uh, Let's see, toasted dark rye, crunchy peanut butter, and dill pickles. I gave that a uh, 2.5. That Everything about that sandwich was repulsive. Okay, so in the worst sandwich category, and I'm going to give the listeners at home and the viewers at home a scale here. So the best sandwich, number one, number one sandwich gets three Signed copies of Denver Michael's book. The second place winner gets one copy signed of their choice of the three books from Denver Michael's. Now, and this is this is Denver's um, faux pas, which we're going to run with because oh my god, it's hilarious. Yeah, the I worst, 
yeah, you fucked up hardcore, bro. And I yeah, swear man, to God. I mean, <laughs> I'm taking it hard with some of these sandwiches. Right now. <laughs> the worst sandwich recipe gets one free book of their choice. Not side, but just just, just a book actually, to go with. Actually, I'll, I'll sign it. I don't <laughs> care. I'll sign it. Dude. Well, it don't matter. You, you, Kevin, you have to give like the second place two sign books. And the okay, last place. Okay. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, first, we can do that. Okay, yeah. we'll we'll do that. So the first first place gets three signed books. Second place gets two signed books, and the worst gets a signed book or an, a book of their choice signed. Either way, you get a book and it's signed or not. Either way, if if your sandwich is really shitty, and please, for love of God, don't kill Denver. We love him. My mom appreciates his voice. He's the reason she li- she listens to the show. Never <laughs> forget the fact that her son is running a show. <laughs> <laughs> He's like that Denver Michaels guy. You got to keep him. His voice is nice. I'm like, oh shit. Okay, keep Denver on the show. We're good. Um, so please do not try and kill Denver Michaels with your sandwiches. <laughs> that is appreciated. Edible, barely edible. Please, like, uh, not, not not like gross. Like anything that's outwardly disgusting or completely shit. Work, <laughs> I'm gonna throw. I'm not gonna send to him. But like, just like if if it's like oh like oh my parents made like a a burnt grilled cheese and like they put it on for extra time or like they put like grilled cheese with like fucking tomatoes or uh like they put onions in their bacon or something like that like just like something yeah. weird like that I'll take but if it's gonna kill yeah. Denver I'm gonna like put the kibosh in that shit right away <laughs> so um so who is the leader right now Denver. Uh, right. Actually, uh, before that, there was there was one more sandwich. I don't know if this one got sent in to you. Uh, it was I was following following along on the live chat last week, and somebody put this down, and I, I wrote it down. Um, this was um, so I don't know what their name is, but their their name on the chat was uh, Ancient Agenda, and they had a peanut butter and cheese whiz. So. Yeah, that was that was kind of gross. So I gave that a four. Okay, well, so, a- a- ancient agenda is not in the chat tonight, but ancient agenda from YouTube chat. You were in the running. Info <laughs> at denoflor.com. Get us. Get a hold of us now. We we will we will get make sure you your voice is heard, and your uh, a voice was heard last week. Thank you for following the program, and um, uh, for sending in that summit okay sandwich that might get you a book. So. So, that is so the awesome. leader is, is still, after all this time, the leader is still uh, Kevin from Nebraska with the Buffalo Chicken Grilled Cheese with a 9.25 score. My mom is too official. Kill that shit. I swear. You think? I mean, it was a strong sandwich. Okay. It's Indian with a little bit of tandoori and, like, you know, some, some curry powder with, like, some, some Eastern European spice. It's I sustained my life off of that for... For six months, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Buffalo, buffalo, buffalo grilled cheese, man. That that's all American right there. I'm Canadian, so what? USA. I, I, I don't USA. know. I, right. <laughs> got to come down to Virginia and try some of this shit. That that's that's what we have to <laughs> be able to do. We'll we'll go well, to West Virginia. We'll we'll do some we'll we'll do some like you know some uh, some cryptid searching, and what will probably happen is I will find a fucking glowing orb again. And you'll be like off taking a piss and you'll miss the entire thing because that is my fucking luck. I swear. Or or I'll take a really bad video or a picture of it, like like my coyote picture that I showed you. 
you know, you're like on the dental floor website, like it's, I think it's like early 2017, late 2016. I actually put like a post and I had a, a picture of this glowing orb that I found. I'm like, I'm a fucking statistic. <laughs> it is not discernible <laughs> at all from the background or anything. Like this could be anything. Like it could be a street light. I could be, I, I, I could be blowing smoke up people's asses. I don't know. Like <laughs> something like, oh my God. I, I have I've joined the cadre of people who are going to post UFO images, and it's just some blowing image, like some blurry light off in the distance. I'm like, fuck. But it still right. happened. I know that it happened, but I can't. It's prove hard. It. It's hard to get pictures of stuff like that, man. Like like you know, animal animals are the same way. It's you know when you're surprised and you know trying to get a good you know quick picture, you know sometimes your brain just kind of freezes up or you can't get it focused in. I mean it it happens. Well, you know, at the same time, you're like you had an entire book about water monsters south of the border. Did you see any while you were down there? You went to the no. Amazon. Nothing. No, I didn't see shit, man. Jesus Christ, that fucking sucks. I, I, I know, but you know, I mean, if you think about it, you're, you know, it, it's, you know, it, of course I would like to see something, but, you know, it, in my view, we're, we're talking about a very limited number of, of these creatures, you know, and, and, you know, if, if you could classify them or could prove that they exist, I mean, more likely than not, I mean, they're endangered species, right? I mean, because there, there's so few of them. And then you're in vast tracts of land. I mean, you know, if you go out, out in the woods with the intent of seeing a bear, and there's lots of bears, uh, yeah, it, you know, it, it's hard to, it's sometimes, I mean, you don't, you can't even find signs of one, you know, but you know that they're there. So it's just, it's just the nature of the, of the beast, I guess. Do you think they taste good on a sandwich? Oh, probably, probably better than Ellen's uh, recipe. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm killing Ellen's recipe. I hope she's uh, not offended. I'm just joking. Okay. Well, 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 uh, gentlemen, brethren, um, you know, Denver, we always appreciate everything you do for the show. You promote. You you talk about us. Uh, you joined into the chat, and you were a, a good sport, and we love you to death. And thank you very much for being a part of this absolutely, ab I think, like, what's the most absolutely absurd contest I could run in a radio show? I'm like, <laughs> fucking make some goddamn sandwiches. <laughs> I'm like, let's get Denver involved, and let's make this shit happen, because he's out there in the woods. I'm like, you're, you're traveling, you're honest to God doing the hard work that I cannot do here in Ottawa. I'm like, I want to take care of this guy. So let's get him some some recipes. So send those recipes in to info at denoflore.com or via Twitter at denoflore, via Facebook, uh, just like go facebook.com forward slash denoflore or search for me, Chris George Zuger, and uh, add me as a friend. And if your Facebook profile is not too weird, I may say, okay, we'll go from there. And we will get you some fucking free books about some cool-ass shit from the world of cryptids. From our cryptid researcher in the field, Denver Michaels. Now, is uh, are Danny and Doug still on the call? I'm here. Thank God. I don't God. show people unless they have weird Facebook pages. 
Well, I, I got a pretty good, like, weird Facebook page. Mine's, like, all cat videos and, uh, like, you know, geology, some science. And posts. the flatter stuff. I make fun of oh, flatter. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm... Good for you. Good for you. We should. All I'm going to say is, uh, Darren, if you're listening to the show, Dick Lips. You know. The That's commissions a... knew they were round. They wrote their numbers down in stone. <laughs> So, uh, gentlemen, uh, we have, and, and Danny, until you can actually get me an outro song that is original that no one else has, I've got two choices for outro songs, which is uh, Scattered Knowledge and Spellbound. Which do you gentlemen want to close out the show? Spellbound. Cool with me. Good enough. Denver, you okay with that? Den- Denver's gone. Son of a bitch. He left the show. He left the chat. Without even saying goodbye. I sent him a sandwich recipe. He said, mmm, and then that was it. Oh, I'm honestly feeling it now. I could keep going. You could feel like it? I, but the sandwiches no, I, or the pyramids? No, I just, yeah, a couple drinks in me. I feel like talking now. <laughs> so, <laughs> where the fuck were you three hours ago? <laughs> I know. Tuned for the Encore show. Yeah. Uh, um, well, next time. What's this 21st? Encore. Encore. Okay, you know, like, we'll do a hangover, like, now. I've got, like, a ton of chat. Okay, so so here's the thing, guys. Uh, oh, shit, we have a new sandwich entry that I'm going to send to Denver from Nick, from, from, from Nicolo. From Nicolo. I'm going to send to Denver now. So uh, we're, we're, we're going to do a hangover show, like, at about, it's uh, 10.26 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm going to close this show. Give me half an hour. Half an hour, we're going to do a hangover. It's going to be a call-in show. Um, so, like, send your call-ins to, uh, like, you want to shoot the shit with uh, with uh, the guests. We'll do that live on air. We'll have some laughs. I'm going to get more drunk with some scotch. And uh, uh, we're not, you know, some, some Glenfiddich 12. Cool. And um, uh, we'll we'll have a good time. Just, like, let me use the washroom and uh, take have a smoke, and we're good to go. So I'm going to play Spellbound. Actually, you know, just really quick, while we're still, Shit. you know, live or whatever, before you do the song, yeah, I just want everybody to know that uh, I think Doug um, really did a world's first, uh, and he was the first person that I know of to calculate um, the internal structures of the pyramids as a, an internal engine uh, or an comp- internal combustion engine. Okay. That's um, Doug, the, a long line of people that did a whole lot of work. Yeah, uh, but built on the shoulders of giants, granted, I think. Including Tesla. Uh, Okay. Yeah, I think Doug, you Doug, amalgamated so you have many one different... Month. You have one month until the 21st or 20th, 20th, uh, sometime. That week, you've got one month... 420? 420. You have one month... We'll do a 420 show. You have one uh, one month-ish to... Uh, three weeks to get this entire thing in layman's terms to be able to describe to everyone out there in YouTube land and iTunes land and whomever actually listens to the show to uh, uh, explain your entire position so that we can understand it in dollars and cents. So, How about if I can get it to where Danny can understand it, then it goes from there. Cause Danny's good at explaining things. I'm no, a nerd. I'm <laughs> well, anyway, oh I like you. okay. You've got two weeks to get it to like Danny's level. He's you, he has another week to get to our level. How about that? Well, it's either that or I have to explain it to my wife, and um, she doesn't listen to the show either. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank God for that, because she'd probably, like, not let you come on here if that were the case. 
She's actually cool with this. Um, Get she, drunk, have uh, fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not only that, but the whole idea. Scotch um, learns the, cool shit. Yes. Good. When you when you don't find a mummy in a tomb, it's probably not a tomb. Oh, no, that makes sense. That That's fine. Yeah, that, that's, that makes sense. That, that's my wife. Yeah, and that. when you find... Sorry, when you find um, uh, uh, evidence of like the of wear and tear in the subterranean chamber from water pressures, and you have salt build up in the queen's chamber and scorched granite in the king's chamber, you have a trifecta of problems for Egyptologists to explain. So, and, and that's what we're trying to do here. All right, academics. Okay, so that that's all well and good. I, I'm going to play the outro song, and uh, that's Spellbound from Broke for Free. Available on Free Music Archive. So, ladies and gentlemen, within 30 minutes, we're going to be on The Hangover. Stick around. Stay online. If you see this... Let's see. These contact numbers right here. We're going to be taking your phone calls from these numbers right here. Live with the gentleman that I've got online right now. And we're going to take your questions live on air on The Hangover because I'm not going to be able to do this show tomorrow morning. And uh, we're going to have some fun. So, yeah. Thank you Thanks, for, guys. Thank you for the hundreds of people who listened into the original episode of The Dental Lore. I do this show because I love it. Alex joins because, well, we drink scotch and he loves it. And um, it's a good time. So, if you want to support the show... Again, go to dental. If you want to be able to support the show, go to dentalfloor.com. In the top right hand corner, there is a support the show tab. Click that tab and send us a dollar to be able to support the show. The servers and uh, equipment and email and all of everything that makes the show possible costs money. We do not take ad revenue. We do not take ad revenue. I do not want sponsors in the show who are going to say, Chris, you said X, Y, Z, we're going to fucking pull our sponsorship. I would tell them to go fuck themselves anyway if they did that. Um, but to be able to make sure that does not happen, you know, support the show. Send us a dollar if you're listening to the show. Dentalfloor.com. Click support the show at the top right hand corner. Send us $1 if you find this valuable. If you get any type of value out of this, support it and we will make sure we can do more. We get tens of thousands of views per week on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, you name it. And, at, you know, like if, if everyone says a buck in, we can do this five days a fucking week. So if you want to hear more from what we're given, we can give it. So, uh, yeah. Until then, we will uh, see you in half an hour for sticking on for The Hangover. And if you're going to peace out like a square, then uh, we will see you tomorrow where we got Scotty Roberts on and uh, uh, Aaron Sheik. We're going to talk some uh, some recovery metaphysical shit and uh, some, uh, uh, you know, some some Rosicrucianism, maybe some uh, Hermeticism, some magic. And uh, we're going to get to the bottom of this whole ancient uh, Egyptian philosophy. And uh, maybe talk some uh, uh, magic leisure too. So, by all, I will see you on The Hangover in half an hour. <laughs>